his um, his hair hung down over his shoulders almost like a mane. Like he had like long hair coming off his head. Um, I think that it knew that it was scaring us. When he turned his back from shoulder to shoulder, it looked like as wide as the tailgate of a truck. And just darkness, literal darkness, just came like all over, just, just all over me except where I was standing. This thing let out the most blood-curdling, mind-blowing, spine-tingling scream that you've ever heard in your life, and it cut through me like a knife. I knew what I heard was God. And I knew that they were going to take me. I just knew it. And then the next thing I can remember is being levitated. Well, when I look in there, uh, I see two big eyes staring back at me. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Bump Podcast, a place for the believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. Join us, and we'll go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night. Happy Halloween. I hope everybody has a a fun, safe, and happy holiday. Um, Enjoy it. Don't worry about anything else today. Just go get some candy. Go scare some kids. Just have fun. Let today just be a fun day. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. This is um, parts one and two of Dark Holler. I recorded it last year with Ward Heine, the filmmaker. And um, I wanted to share it combined and uncut today because there's a new project coming out. And I want you guys to understand um, who all this consists of. In Dark Holler, Ward came down to Logan County, West Virginia, and he spoke with a pastor who had performed an accidental exorcism during a baptismal, um, during a baptism. So it kind of evolved into this bigger story. You know, Ward come in thinking he's going to, you know, talk to this pastor about a, a, a weird one-off experience, wound up talking to the individual herself and her family. And it opened up into this big big story it became like a five-part show um ward was kind enough to give me a small cameo in it <laughs> at one point and forgive my my voice i'm still coming over uh getting over having the flu or the cold or i think it was just a cold but it was it was rough uh man cold <laughs> but uh anyway i hope i hope you guys enjoy this listen to it it's uncut so i left all the you know the tidbits and stuff in there that i would usually edit out uh, it's a lot of fun. Part um, coming up, we're going to get into the the next project that they have me way more heavily involved in. Uh, it's called Shadow Appalachia. I think you'll love it. I know you'll love it. But Dark Holler, um, what you're going to listen to today, this interview with Ward, and then the second interview, I bring on Josh and his partner Richie. Uh, they co-host a show together called The Sword and Staff Order. Pretty popular show. Um, I'm going to bring them on. You'll you'll hear a lot of us doing collaborations. 
over the next you know year or so. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play part one and then we'll talk about Shadow Appalachia a little bit and then we'll get into part two. What's up, man? Yeah, I didn't know if I was just supposed to go. Okay. I, no, you're uh, good. I, I can edit anything anyway, so it's all right. Cool. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're good. Um, all right. Uh, I'm Ward Heine. I am a director, producer, slash just about everything uh, for the documentary series Dark Holler, which uh, follows uh, the experience of a family in Southern West Virginia who has been, we think, and we make the case in this series, uh, followed by a particular uh, nameable dark spiritual entity for probably three generations that we know of. And I don't know if it goes back further than that because that's everyone that we can uh, talk to or uh, that's as far back as the memory goes. Oh, wow, okay. I so um, the touch point for this, like how it got started, like, I don't know, man, like, uh, probably a lot of people in uh, 2019, 2020, when everything started kicking off uh, with the the thing that shall not be, the thing that made it so nothing will ever be the same again. Right. Um, I guess I had a lot of friends on various sides of the political spectrum and various sides of the uh, various stops along the how seriously we take the the mainstream narrative zeitgeist that we're being fed um and it, i guess i was trying to figure out for myself um what to what to think about all of it you know i as far as paranormal stuff goes um growing up i probably i assumed that i don't know 90 percent of it was uh psychological and maybe 10% of it was like, I had this category for possibly d the demonic. Um, and that was pretty much, I just filed it all the way under there and anything that was uncomfortable or didn't fit in those categories. I just sort of kept a drawer labeled that's crazy on it and would <laughs> throw it in that drawer. Right. And uh, that's real handy. That drawer is real handy because you, don't have to think about a whole lot of things and there's just so much information out there now you know so many stories and but anyway um in the middle of of thinking about this uh i saw i came across uh, ray bachet who was a uh, mufon state director um years ago and in the early 90s uh, nick redfern wrote a book about this chronicling his experience and also linda moulton howells talked about it and talked with him and claims to have verified with other people his story but he says that a couple of guys from the defense department came to him and um essentially said that the multiple intelligence agencies were attempting to contact non-human entities which um you know euphonauts essentially yeah. and uh that they were i mean it, it's a crazy story it's it's crazy and it would have really comfortably there was a nice spot for it in my that's crazy drawer. Um, but I, I heard Ray speak and I watched him speak. And 
uh, I didn't think that he was lying. And that was difficult to make sense of. So maybe the guys that came to him were lying or, or whatever, but it, it was enough to make me think mm-hmm. about something that would normally just go in my that's crazy drawer. And um, so uh, I did. And about the same time, I came across, uh, I think Tom O'Neill is the name of the guy who wrote the book on uh, Manson's connection to MK Ultra. Yeah. Um, and at that point, then I started diving back. Okay, MK Ultra is a real thing and not just a subplot to Zoolander. Yeah. And um, oh, Project Mockingbird is a real thing. Oh, like all these things. Yeah, it's all real. And so, yeah, <laughs> it's all real. So then it was kind of like, all right, the, my metric for what was okay to just throw in the crazy drawer is obliterated. And it was about that time that I came across uh, Hellier, um, which is a series uh, about some high strangeness set in starting in Eastern Kentucky, but touching on some West Virginia stuff too. And uh, I had a friend of mine who was a pastor, um, like a church planner in Southern West Virginia down in um, Chapmanville at the time. Now they're in Logan. And um, I had been friends with him for years and we'd talked through theology and stuff um, for seriously, like five years, I think. And, um, but I knew that he was there and Logan's like, I don't know, maybe an hour from uh, Pike County. Yep. So uh, I asked him, I was just like, have you seen this thing? And he said he had, and I was like, have you ever, you know, you're down there, you're seen or experienced anything weird or paranormal. And uh, he kind of tiptoed around it for a minute and then, you know, trying to feel, <laughs> trying to feel me out. And then eventually he told me that um, how he had, he came to believe that he had conducted an exorcism like two weeks prior to that conversation. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and so I had just uh, purchased a camera kit. I do video production full time. I work for a, it's boring, some corporate marketing firm. But um, I just bought a camera kit to do freelance work. And I was going to be in West Virginia anyway. And I thought, oh, I'll go down and interview this girl. And maybe it'll be like a short little 10 minute thing um, where there's, you know, just a story and no way to back it up. But it's, I don't know, it's interesting. Right. And um, then like a couple days prior to going down there, I started to uh, notice, I I think Josh, my pastor friend, uh, pointed out to me that there are some connections between Logan and Point Pleasant, uh, West Virginia. And there's also um, some interesting like... uh, you know, the whole place is riddled with mines yeah. um, and caves, which is another crossover with some of the stuff in Eastern Kentucky. And so when I went down there, I was thinking, uh, this is probably just this story, but um, maybe it would be an interesting jumping off point to go look at just high strangeness in Appalachia generally without thinking that this story would do any of that. I just thought it would be that story. And then maybe, okay, we start to do other things for YouTube and stuff. And um, what ended up happening uh, is I interviewed 
the girl, Kristen, who we, we believe was possessed and, and exercised, who she believes was possessed and then exercised, um, and talked to her sister. And I interviewed them the first day and then sort of drove around Logan and went to like Hatfield Cemetery and just got generally creepy stuff. And part of, I mean, part of my drive to do it too is I grew up in Lincoln County um, and I'd always kind of wanted to do, I don't know how to put it. I've thought about how to say this, but like there's a, um, there's sort of this uh, melancholic kind of feeling of having been left behind by most of the world that sort of hangs in in West Virginia. And I don't know if that's your experience or not, but. I'll refer to it as like a learned hopelessness. You know, it's yeah. a, it's like a generational hopelessness. You know, people just kind of gave up. Yeah, that's a good, yeah, that's a good summary for it. It's a good word for it. Um, but I'd always wanted to do something that kind of felt like what West Virginia felt like to me growing up. Um, and so, you know, going around and capturing like, you know, abandoned coal processing facilities and stuff. Um, and so that's the first weekend. That's what we did. We just shot those interviews. And in those interviews, um, Kristen talked about her mother having experienced a lot of stuff the couple of nights before she was baptized. And the way that her story, the way that she told it to me, her exorcism occurred in her baptism. So simultaneously. Oh, wow. And um, that was one of the things that Josh had told me about it initially is he had been going back and kind of, rather than continuing a lot of like mainstream evangelical practice he'd been going back and looking through church history kind of asking okay why do we do the things that we do and um one thing that he had come across was uh particularly well throughout church history but also after the reformation luther um held on to the practice of administering a lesser rite of baptism or a lesser rite of exorcism with every baptism um so Josh had been reading that. And then um, when Kristen's family, who her sister went to church at Josh's church, uh, when they contacted him and asked if Kristen could be baptized, um, you know, he they had been praying for her for a long time because apparently, you know, she was into um, pretty heavy opiate use and uh, practicing like not just Wicca, but she had been practicing like hoodoo conjuration work and um, and it was pretty bad. She had a violent outburst and that kind of thing. And so he knew that uh, when he showed up and she was there to be baptized. And um, what he didn't know, but what her family and friends uh, say is that she looked uh, well, they characterize it as looking dead or looking evil uh, when she arrived at the baptism. And her mother talks about um, being frightened for what would happen in it. Uh, but in any case, Josh shows up and they go down into the water and um, her first step or two into the water, I don't know if you've been there, but it's the boat launch at um, 
oh shoot uh there's a a boat launch on this creek and i can't remember the name of it um i can show you where it is it's a park uh in uh you get off at madison i think or maybe danville yeah. one of the maybe the exit before danville yeah um anyway it's a boat ramp that's very a very gentle entry into the creek is it mud river uh, huh is it mud river it might be okay there's a little park there with like a uh you know there's a picnic table and some swings yeah i think um, i know where you're talking about yeah it's right at, there's like a um there's a bridge right next to it um anyway like her second step into the river uh she like falls over and uh she says that she's broken she tells josh she's broken her toe um or her foot or something and so he asks if she wants to go back and she says no let's keep going so they go on out into the river uh her limping and then um in the baptism itself there's some weird stuff when he starts into the um the trinitarian formula she starts kind of convulsing and also her posture does this weird thing there's a cell phone video of it but she leans back as if being uh josh talks about how like when you hold your kid by the hands and they like drop their weight you know what i mean yeah she's doing that kind of thing leaning back and then before like, it's interesting hearing multiple people's accounts of it because um if things that kristen perceived to be happening uh like she's in and out and she's also she talks about being sort of out of body like having an out of body experience which is something she said would happen for weeks at a time um, in the months leading up to it. Um, but she says that she was worried that something would pull her under and not let her back up. And Josh uh, says that when you usually you say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then you dunk. Uh, she started going at father son like she started going before they went to so they had to like catch her um on the way up on the way down and then like you can kind of see ah, it's it's a whole thing but um anyway so that point when kristen is describing this in her interview i knew that i needed to go talk to her mom and anybody that i could that was there um so we came back like a month later and I planned a week uh, to shoot. And um, we sat around, we went to a, uh, like, <laughs> this is where the, uh, the weirdness really starts. So in, on Monday, uh, we go to this house that's not really connected to Kristen's story, except that her best friend, um her grandmother owns this property and it's been in her family for some time and um it's supposed to be real haunted um and i thought at that time you know it was just about strangeness in the area it wasn't so much trying to connect everything to kristen i was just going to go see how many stories we could get and um we're going through this house and uh we hear a story when we get there bear in mind, like this is having seen Hellier and having asked about mines and that kind of thing. So the first story that 
uh, we're told about that house is uh, this girl's grandmother who owns the house talks about her aunt, I believe, who lived there uh, up until just like uh, three months prior to us being there. And her aunt tells the story of being in the kitchen with, I think her husband and another man, there were three people in the house and seeing um, what they described as uh, a child with a burned face. Oh, okay. Press its face up against the uh, screen door like this. Mm. Okay. That she gestures like that with the hands and stuff. And of course, childlike figure with a burned face puts me in mind immediately of Hellier. Yeah. Um, and so I'm asking about mine entrances and, and uh, footprints and stuff, and none of that. And one of the things that's, they talk about uh, paranormal stuff being um, like a trickster. And a lot of times you run into, this is not a thing that I knew at the time. It's a thing that I had heard people say that you run into like dead ends. So I thought, oh, small figure. Okay, for sure. Let's go up and see what this house is doing. So we went up to the house and there's a lot of strange stuff in the house. There's possibly an EVP that we pick up in the house. There's um, there's a weird like coincidence of um, when I first, all right, there's, there's one room in this house that's padlocked shut. It's been padlocked shut forever um, and no one's allowed to go up there. And it is the slave quarters of this house. So it was an old enough house that there were two separate staircases and there were slave quarters and then quarters for the owners, I guess. All right. Um, the slave quarters, uh, that room had a latch and a, uh, you know, a, a hook and latch that you could put a padlock on. Mm -hmm. And according to everyone there, that room had always been locked. You weren't allowed in it. So we go up to that room and uh we as soon as i'm letting like i'm leading with the camera and the camera comes up the stairs and there's another room kind of to my right and then through the door with the lockable thing uh is the slave quarters and so i walk into that room and sitting in the middle of the room propped on like a like a 1970s style clothes hamper deal is this painting of a tree and uh, it has a name on it, uh, Dalmer, D-A-L-M-E-R, but it's sat in the room in such a way that it's very clearly like, it's the first thing you would see. It's in the center of the room and um, propped up against a wall. And uh, I noticed it and my other, my other guy was running camera with me. I know that he noticed it too, not because we said anything to each other, but because when looking at his footage, uh, he comes to the top of the stairs and, and like snaps right to it with the camera too. Oh, wow. But at the moment that I snap to it and like I pull focus and right when I, right when it's in focus, there's like a, what I thought at the time was a gunshot outside. I thought someone was hunting mm -hmm. up the holler, but downstairs on the mic, it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like a clap or a, a case slamming shut or something. Um, and Anyway, so that painting, and then in that room, we also found uh, a book called The Star Book for Ministers, which was a, um, it's like a liturgical manual for ministers in uh, Methodist church, I want to say. 
I mean, this has been like a year since we've been there. So you went into the padlocked room? It was it was not padlocked at the time that we went there. It had been unlocked. Okay. Um, but it was there's like a, a loop, like a metal loop drilled into the wall, and then a uh, like a flat latch with a slot cut in it to go in the padlock. Um, so uh, we found that and the the star book, and then there was a mirror that they claimed to see shadow figures in. And again, no one had been here for three months. And there were like in the dust on the mirror, there were four fingerprint like drag marks down it uh, in the dust. Hmm. So anyway, the house was weird. But because I was thinking, you know, hellier little figures, that kind of thing, right. um, I almost missed. We went back down after after we'd been to the house. We went back to the grandmother's and I talked to her for a minute and she was like, oh yeah, I remembered a thing. And I, okay, hurry up and get the camera together. And she talks about this person that had lived there before, the same person who'd seen the little figures, um, called her one day in a panic because the largest owl that she had ever seen was like standing in her yard like a, an owl too large to be real. And um, it, it first, when she said it, it, I didn't know, I had no category to even pick up on an owl being thing or a large bird. I was just like, okay, she saw a large bird. That's whatever. And uh, someone else who's there in that house, while, while she's telling the story says, uh, when was the Mothman stuff happening? And she goes, I don't know. I've never heard of Mothman. This was like um, 72. So it was like five years after the height of the Mothman stuff. Um, but what's interesting about that, I found out later reading Mothman prophecies is uh, large birds were seen on the Ohio side of the river uh, during the Mothman flat. Yeah. Also large flocks of large birds seen during the Mothman which is a thing to remember for later. So there's a lot of these things that like the payoff doesn't happen until I get back a week later and I notice something. So here's an example. And this is the weirdest. I know the story has taken a long time. No, no, no this I'm loving it. You, you got me pulled in. <laughs> this is like the weirdest thing um, that happened. Not in the like something I saw that was paranormal, but this was the weirdest thing that has stuck with me as like a takeaway from the whole thing. So I thought as a joke, Monday night, because we had watched Hellier, I was talking with Josh uh, and one of his friends who kind of ended up serving as like a, a, a cult or paranormal consultant on the whole thing, because like I'm, I'm, a, I'm not an expert at this. I'm just a guy with a camera who wanted to tell a story. Um, so I kind of leaned on him quite a bit. Um, and I was jokingly, I took like Starbuck for ministers mm -hmm. and Dahmer tree painting. And I forget how I phrased it with the mirror, but I took some stuff and threw it into uh, Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts, which they use in Hellier. Um, kind of as a joke because I didn't, I thought these answers are so vague that you could make you know, I don't know if you've ever used it, but like you put a phrase in there 
and it gives you a numeric value and then it shows you every possible phrase that could correspond to that numeric value and it's endless like you could load pages and pages and what's it called so, super finder a secret cipher of the euphonauts i've never touched that before supposedly i mean don't <laughs> that's the that's the lesson that i learned but um Apparently, this was like a cipher given to Alan Greenfield by the Euphonauts. Uh, okay. In, I think that's the title of the book that he wrote, actually, A Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts. But anyway, uh, so I plug these phrases in kind of as a joke because, haha, they did it in Hellier. This will be funny. Let's see what comes back. And one of the things that comes back is hold bear, the phrase hold bear. So we were joking about trying to find mine entrances. And Josh says, uh, I've got a mine entrance, you know, right up the holler from my house. And I jokingly say, and this is the only reason I remember it later, uh, we better not go in any mines. This here says hold bear. So you don't want to find any bears, right? Right. So Friday of that week, uh, Monday is the night we went to that house, hold bear Friday. Um, and by this point, uh, how much how much time do you have? We got plenty of time, bro. All right, so just hold on to the hold bear thing. Okay. That's how we got hold. Bear. Um, Tuesday, we uh, we go and, and shoot some B roll around, take a drone up and, and shoot some stuff, and. Uh, I think we end up going up to a location that all the locals there in, uh, it's Unita. Mm -hmm. uh, they refer to as Big Rock, Little Rock. It's like a, I don't know, it's a a stand, a, a rock outcropping on the top of a ridge that you can get to by like side-by-side -side or ATV. Right. Um, and it's a place where Kristen used to go practice berry spell jars, that kind of thing. And, um, so we go up there just to kind of like look at it and, and talk to her and get some drone footage of it. And it's pretty cool looking. And um, there's might be something to the idea of uh, high places. Cause there's a lot of uh, these like rock outcroppings that are kind of oddly, if they're entirely just down to erosion, it's kind of weird that they erode the way that they do. Yeah, man. Um, the rock strata are very thin uh, relative to like what the what you would see if you go underground in a mine and maybe that's just I don't know I, I don't I'm not a geologist I don't know it's just weird um, particularly when you like the uh, cosmic geography type thing with height versus lowness um, height being near the divine mm -hmm. it, anyway it's a it's a whole rabbit hole. Um, then uh, Wednesday, we finally get to talk to Kristen's mom. Now, uh, Tuesday, I interviewed Kristen's best friend growing up, the girl whose grandmother owned the slave house. Okay. And um, one of the interesting things that she says, in addition to describing Kristen's baptism and, and what it was like as Kristen got deeper into the, the witchcraft and the hoodoo, um, one of the things that she says that was real interesting was 
that Kristen's mother's family was very, uh, no, it, first of all, like there's an expression down there, uh, not my story to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And she couched it in, this is, you know, I'm not trying to gossip about them, ask them if they're cool with me telling the story. And I did, and they were, so I'm not, anyway. Um, she says that Kristen's mom's family was very chaotic, that they were um, moved around an awful lot growing up and just had a lot of, what she said was a lot of uh, family secrets. And so by Wednesday, um, oh, and then also uh, Kristen's sister Monday night had mentioned something about her thinking that this possibly went back before Kristen. And uh, so I'm like primed to talk to Heather, Kristen's mother. Uh, that's so Heather didn't want to do a sit down interview. She was reluctant. And I understood that. I didn't know at the time uh, <laughs> all the reasons that she had to be reluctant. But I, I thought, as someone suggested, maybe instead of like a sit down interview with a tripod and the lights and everything, we just all gather at Kristen's sister's house and um, kind of keep the cameras in the background and not uh, just kind of follow the conversation. And so that's what we did. And then um, it turns out that Heather's family has a whole bunch of uh, oddness. So Heather's one of 16 children that survived to adulthood um, out of, I believe, 22. Um, I don't want to give away like every, I don't want to, I feel like I want to couch some of some of that story it's hard to get straight to it without uh being exploitative right and i'm very careful in how i do it in the series so i want to like maintain some of that but one of the things that connected Kristen to a prior generation is that heather's brother um craig also practiced uh some form of witchcraft we were not able to determine. Um, but he practiced it with um, a person who demanded to be referred to as Lilith. That was oh. the name um, that this person wanted to be called. Of all names. Okay. This person was not. Um, born a woman uh but dressed as one and and demanded to be called Lilith um it was like at that point that Kristen was like uh that's so weird because Lilith is a deity that she would conjure worship pay homage to um and uh, so that was the first, but Wednesday was the first indication that there was like a nameable thing. Yeah. Um, Craig, like after this practice, uh, ended up uh, twice being diagnosed schizophrenic and sent to Cabell Huntington Hospital. 
the events that surround those diagnoses are um, it, pretty weird. There was a like a an exorcism attempt in one where he uh, would not did not want to be called Craig um, and threatened violence, and another one where he actually had uh, someone like trapped in a closet and then ended up uh, fighting through the house out into the to the yard and the cops were called and it took several police to get him in the car and all this. So that was Craig. Uh, Kristen, you know, that, that was when Craig was younger and he mellowed as he got older. And uh, <laughs> uh, Kristen like lived with him for a while. Okay. And let's see, she, someone who was there at, not me, but one of the, I think it was um, Kristen's sister's husband asked her, did you sort of, were you informed in your view of spirituality in the world by your relationship with Craig? Um, and she said, well, kind of, but it was like, we already sort of saw things the same way. It was just like you, we were clicking. Um, she has a tattoo on her left hand that's a wolf. And she said that she got that tattoo of a wolf because Craig used to tell her that she had the spirit of the wolf because she was a Bellamy. It was her last name. All right. Um, again, another thing to like put it in the pocket for later. Okay. Um, additionally, she had tattoos on her arm um, on her shoulder, there's uh, like the night goddess, which is, uh, you know, Lilith, night goddess, Ishtar, Hecate. They're all like yeah. the same thing by different names. Um, she has it embracing death. She has a tree with a flock of uh, crows uh, taking flight from it. And then the wolf. And then on the inside of her forearm, she has the three phases of the moon, the like common um, mother maid or maiden mother crone cycles of a witch's life. It's like a common Wicca symbol. And also associated with the night goddess um, of various names. Um, so now we're starting to get an idea right there's a pattern at least all right um Kristen had a nightmare uh i think it was tuesday night that we were shooting and in the nightmare uh this is post baptism but in the nightmare she sees this thing that she describes before we're talking about lila she describes it as feminine um and it says uh, something to the effect of, it's going to take more than that. We're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and she wakes up uh, with the feeling of something like choking her. So um, Josh had just posted, again, not having talked about Lilith, Josh had posted something on Facebook concerning uh, Psalm 91. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Psalm 91. I wasn't. Um, uh, maybe I can hear it, but in um, Kristen's nightmare, uh, 
when she sent some sent a message to like the family and the people who were down there that she had this nightmare and i having just read psalm 91 thought this fits uh it's a it's a promise of protection under under god's wing and um i thought this fits and so i posted a section of it uh as a response to her and then um she apparently had also months prior uh given her mom a pendant to hang from her like uh rearview mirror mm-hmm. it had psalm 91 on it and a bird feather and uh so Josh is in the room while we're having this conversation with Heather. Everyone's around the table on Wednesday. And um, we start trying to figure out if that's a genuine, uh, we stopped using the word synchronicity, but that would be the like paranormal word for it. Right. We started using the word providence, but either way, whether it had just been sort of an insular thing where I had heard it from him who'd heard, got it, um, and then, but then when Kristen had given her mom a thing with Psalm 91 on it months before any of us knew any of this, it was a little more legitimate, I feel like. But the thing about Psalm 91 is, um, there's, uh, one of the passages, I think it's like verse four or five is, uh, you shall not fear the terror of the night. Some translations render that the screech owl, and it's an it's agreed upon by most commentators that that's an idiomatic reference to Lilit or Lilitu or Lilu, which is the Mesopotamian demon that's kind of the first um, it, the first iteration in literature in the Epic of Gilgamesh uh, of the thing that we come to refer to as Lilith or the night goddess. Um, so. At this point, we're like, okay, I'm no longer thinking this, you know, there's nothing uh, hell you're a little people about this. This is like everything, the whole pattern seems to indicate this thing that has a name or at least behaves according to an archetype maybe mm-hmm. um, that is following her. And um Then we let uh, Heather listen to what I think is an EVP uh, from the cell phone video of Kristen's baptism itself. And in that cell phone video, uh, there's like a screech or a scream sort of thing um, that no one there seemed to have like an explanation for what might have made it. It's sort of like uh, like a mountain lion or a panther kind of sound, but slightly lower pitched. Wow. And really fast. Uh-huh. It's just crap. And um, I played it for Heather. And she said, after she heard it, once she asked me, is that a scream? And I said, I don't know. That's a good question. And then she listened to it again. And she was like, I asked her, is that familiar? And she said, yes, very. And she said that she had heard that voice call Kristen's name in her house because Kristen was staying with her. Um, Later, I did an interview with uh, 
Kristen's cousin, whom she's close to, Morgan. And Kristen's cousin says that um, she was FaceTiming with Kristen uh, maybe a few days before I got there the second time to shoot. And she heard when I played that noise for her, actually before I played the noise for her, she says um, that she thought she had heard something in that video. And then we play it for her and she says, that's uh, a voice I heard calling Kristen's name over FaceTime. What? Before we got there. Um, Josh, the first night that we were there after the slave house, we all sort of did a campfire thing because I wanted to hear everyone kind of reflect on the baptism. And apparently Josh had been uh, on the phone with Misty's husband, so Kristen's brother-in-law, um, one evening. And he had also been talking to uh, the guy that was kind of our paranormal consultant at the same time on Messenger. And um, he was talking about, he was describing the sound in the video because I had just that night when they were having the phone conversation, I had just heard that sound on the cell phone video and he was telling them, uh, you know, this is a thing that um, if you look at like records of demonic activity down through church history, um, animal, animal like screams are an associated phenomenon. And uh, I guess rises, right he was right as he was saying this, Derek and Misty heard what they thought was like something fighting a cat out on their porch. And Richie, uh, the, our friend who's like been a paranormal investigator for a long time, he hears something at his place. Um, Derek and Misty go out on the porch. There's nothing there. The bag of trash that they had left is intact. Um, so I don't know. There, there's something about that voice. Everyone uh, that has listened to it or has claimed to have heard it uh, separately, like independent of each other, before we had any of the Lilith Psalm 91 connections, yeah. all they all described it as female. They all described it as um, sounds like a woman, but it sounds angry. You know, not not to cut you off or anything, man, but I've heard uh, several recordings of <clears throat> interactions when somebody's supposed to be, you know, possessed and they're doing a, you know, exorcism or whatever, and it's always such a similar sound, like totally unrelated videos, but it's always this. And when you said panther or wildcat, it's like it's always this feline type purr growl kind of thing. And I, that's just what I'm, I'm getting in my head while you're talking about this. And it's, look, I don't like that topic. I don't like, I don't like demons. You know, I was scared to death of it for a long time. Uh, after about a year of doing this show, I kind of got a little stronger in my faith, you know, so I'm, I'm not really too worried anymore. But man, it's a, it's the, that's the most real, scariest stuff on the planet to me. So I'm sorry. No, so one of the, like, 
I mean, I say this in the dog, I might as well. So um, I told my dad what I was working on. I called him before we went down and shot the second time. And um, he's like real conservative uh, Christian. And he was trying to discourage me from it saying like, uh, you're in grave spiritual danger. You are, you know, you're, he said you're poking a demon in the eye. Um, and I thought about that for a while. Um, and I think what I kind of concluded, so I felt like, and I still feel like the story kind of fell into my lap and, um, and I've like, I'm Christian. Yeah. And, uh, I've prayed about it a lot. And I think like, I believe that I'm supposed to tell that story. Then you are. And, um, what I kind of concluded was if I don't, if I don't tell it because of fear of how it's going to affect me and my family, and I think that it has, mm-hmm. um, if I don't do it out of fear, like which, which God am I fearing? There you go. So, um, and it's been like, it's been eye-opening about, you know, you like in Sunday school or whatever, you hear life talked about as if there's a, there's a spiritual battle going on. And, uh, I don't know. I, I never really appreciated that. I don't think, um, until starting to work on this and, um, I don't know, man. It's all right. Man. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. It must be getting pretty real sometimes, huh? Yeah, there were, you know, there's um, friendships that and like mental health stuff in my own family that have been, I think, I mean, stuff that's gotten better now, but I think everyone sort of attributes to this. Yeah. Um, And like, I think I'm the sort of person that if I were to see something scary or have like a real, like see a full body apparition, like I would be terrified in the moment. But I think that it would be like, oh, I'm actually doing something. And so it doesn't, I don't think I get that kind of thing. I've had um, nights where like inexplicably out of nowhere I get like fight or flight panic mode and I'm not that guy like I've never experienced that um I've had nights where like I won't work on the project because there's like this uh like really deep discouragement like oh this isn't good like I'm gonna put this out and it's gonna people are gonna be like oh this is retarded like um but anyway um it's anxiety attacks, you know, yeah. that's, that's one of the most common demons there is. In my opinion, I, I, I label these mental health, if they want to call it mental health. Uh, I think it's all spiritual at this point, Ward. I, I, yeah, my I think background, My background's in counseling and human services, but I walk away from that three or four years and 
I'm, I'm seeing everything in a different light. You know, I, I really believe this is all spiritual and anxiety is a little, it's a little demon, man. It's, it doesn't possess, but it, it oppresses you. It de depresses you and it just, it eats at you, you know? I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's all wrapped up. I think it's both. I think we only, you know, we see the material side of it. Um, but I don't think that gulf between the spiritual or, you know, if you don't want to look at it in a, in a faith context, we can use the word interdimensional. Like if that is more comfortable, but I, I don't think that barrier is as strong as it looks to us from this side. No, hell no. No, it's all spiritual in my opinion. It, it all is, man. And I've, I've read, I've rode the line a little too close with past shows. You know, I've talked to people that want to talk about a paranormal encounter and then stuff starts happening around my house. And I, I don't know if it comes through electronics, you know, like the speakers completely went out on a brand new laptop still don't work to this day. Uh, but I was, I got a few EVPs. I had cabinets in my kitchen slamming on their own. We all see, you know, the little shadows zip by the, you know, through the kitchen stuff. It got to the point where I, I don't know if you can see it on my wall or not, but I have a, a cross that I got. I ordered three Holy Land crosses, you know, from Jerusalem. And I, <laughs> I put them throughout my house. I saged the house. I prayed over the whole house. Uh, it really made me dig into my faith, man. So don't be afraid to dig into you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah, not goofy I mean, to, to do that stuff. It it helps. The, yeah. It's had the same. It's had the, uh, like, there were times we got, so this will, this will segue. This is handy. Okay. Uh, I, but we get, we're getting ready to go into um, Heather's childhood home in man. Um, man's like an hour South, an hour deeper into Appalachia. Yeah. Um, and it, like the stories that Heather told about this place, um, where like her dad was pushed down the stairs and had a compound fracture in his shin. And he said, they pushed me down the stairs. He would spend, um, they had separated at this time, he from Heather's mom, but he had, would come to visit at that house in man. And um, every time that he visited in later life, he was uh, extremely religious. We had a Bible all the time. And he would only stay in the one room upstairs where all the activity happened. Um, everyone in Heather's family that I talked to that stayed at that house reported something strange about that room. Like one of the guys, Heather's brother, uh, said he had something crawl in bed with him one night hmm. that he assumed was his daughter. And then he came downstairs the next morning and his daughter's on the couch. And he said, uh, why'd you get out of bed? And she said, uh, someone kicked me out of bed. So like, and everything in that room is nuts yeah. and um her dad pushed down the stairs they would hear voices and um craziness in that that house and um so we ended up going to that house and one of the things that i was thinking of i mean at this point i had kind of made my mind up but um I didn't want to bring anything back. You know, I've got wife and kids and, um, you know, me 
going in somewhere for um, the sake of a thing that I think I'm supposed to do is one thing, but I better be pretty sure if I'm coming back to them. So, but I, like you said, uh, digging into your faith, like um, I've kind of taken this attitude where look, when, like, when Christ says all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to me now, and then in Peter, when it says that he goes to the spirits in prison and preaches to them after, I don't think that's like dead people. Mm -hmm. I think that is the evil spirits, uh, in like in chains from the time of Genesis six, the watchers. And I think him preaching to the spirits in prison is more accurately viewed like, uh, the cowboy in a western like kicking in the door of the saloon and being like i own your stuff now like the nations now belong to me right um so anyway i've been taking the view that like well jesus owns all of it um and i think he wants me to tell the story and so i'm gonna pray about it but we're gonna go ahead and just go where i don't know try and get the best stuff like if i'm supposed to expose whatever this is let's just go as hard as you know whatever this the struggle the battle is ordained like it's appointed anyway yeah let's just get on with it (laughs) so anyway i i went to we go to this house and we didn't know the people that are there now and it's been 25 years since heather lived there and um this will this will tie back to that's funny how this segue works so i i did not plan this but um so we're in, we walk up to the front door of the house and um, this is the day after Thanksgiving. This is November 20, I want to say it was the 29th, whatever, the Friday, uh, November 2020, the, the Friday after Thanksgiving. And um, we didn't think anyone would be there or let us in because it's Thanksgiving and if they had people over and also if they were experiencing anything in that house like Heather's family was, uh you know would you invite people in um but we show up at the door and uh sure enough this guy comes like he pulls in and walks up behind us and asks what we're doing there and parent we come to find out he's the owner of the house his name's chris and uh as soon as we say we're making a documentary about a family that lived here and experienced some paranormal stuff and for that, for like the next 15 minutes, he thinks we're psychics Hmm. and he keeps referring to us as psychics. But anyway, he invites us in. And and the first story that he tells us is um, he was pushed down the same stairs and his collarbone compound fractured uh, and he had the scar and he still had the holes in the drywall. And um, that was the first story he told us. And then we said, you know, no way the, uh, the last guy 25 years ago, a guy lived here and the same thing happened. Yeah. Um, and he's taken us around, uh, showing us upstairs. Um, so there's, he lives there with his wife and then their two grandchildren, which are teenagers, like, uh, 15 and 13, I think. Um, the 13 year old is very talkative. Uh, and has lots of experiences with uh, ghosts knocking things off of things. That's his words. Um, Nightmares. The other kid, the older one, um, he 
his room is the room where all the activity was supposed to happen. In that room, uh, I see a moon hanging on the wall, like a wood moon hanging, like a decorative thing. And I asked uh, the kid, the quiet kid, I said, did you put that there? And uh, he says, no. And um, the other kid says it was here when we moved in. And mm -hmm. so I asked Heather, Heather, uh, did you guys hang that? And she said, no, that was there when we moved in, like 25 years ago. Um, we come back down and at this point it was just myself and Derek who's Kristen's brother-in-law um, but at this point we've been long enough that uh, Kristen and Heather have come uh, to see what's up with the house so now we're all packed in this little house and man and uh, Kristen pulls me aside and says did you see all the moons and you know no I wasn't looking for moons Hmm. Um, and this was the point where she pointed out her tattoo. I hadn't even noticed it at this, up until this point, but the lady had hung, um, moons, like wind chimes of moons all around the porch. And also inside the house were several, like, um, several moons hung around the house. It was decorative, but she didn't put the one upstairs. That one was there when she moved in. Um, So the kids tell the same story about seeing um, like a, a dark figure upstairs, which is the same thing that Heather said and was the sa same thing that later we had uh, Dan, her brother, told us. Um, the kids had apparently uh, done their own like informal ghost hunt going around the house at 3 a.m., which is when everything happens, of course. Of course. Of course. Um, and taking pictures with their phones. And they tell me, now I don't have the picture because they say they deleted it, but they told me uh, that they took a picture of the kid who lives in the room with all the activity downstairs and that over his shoulder, they saw a man with a goat's head on his shoulder. I said, do you have that picture? They said, no, he deleted it. Where would they come up with that at? You know, that's so an interesting thing that I didn't find out until later when I went and talked to Josh about it, and this is Friday, so we've had a couple days to think on this Lilith thing, is the only uh, direct address of Lilith in scripture, or Lilith, is Isaiah 34, 14 and following. Um, yeah, give, give that one a look. Um, in Young's literal translation, as well as some others, so it's God's judgment on Babylon. He's saying, I'll make you a waste. Uh, you'll be a dwelling place for Lilith. And um, for, it's translated differently. It's translated some places, donkey, centaur, some places, um, satyr, some places, uh, wild goats. But everyone pretty much agrees they're naming two demons. They're naming Lilith and this goat-headed if you have any like uh, well any old testament background like azalel was the wilderness demon that yeah. the um the Israelites the in, yeah. yeah yeah um anyway isaiah 34 four, i think it's 15 says something like uh there um something like you'll find its resting place 
So, um, the other, like, there's too many weird things about this house to go into all of them. Like, it, it would take an hour. But, um, just a couple of them so so one the guy the grandfather chris mm -hmm. lives in the room that craig lived in when he lived in that house um heather comes in to that room and um like taps me on the shoulder and said do you see all the dream catchers sure and i said uh you know what are the dream catchers about and he goes um i asked him do you have any problems with bad dreams he said oh terrible terrible nightmares all the time and at this point, like him and the talkative kid and like, they're all relaying stories about nightmares. They all have terrible nightmares. So I said, um, so you put the dream catchers up and he said, yeah, I found those in the hallway and something just told me to put them in here. <laughs> Heather goes, my brother lived in this room and had like, he did the same thing, dream catchers all over the walls. And at this point, Chris is pretty spooked out. You know, he's yeah, no doubt. Um, he's like reaching for a Bible. Um, but I noticed at the not at the time, but later, um, there were some things that that I noticed. One, uh, there are three men that live in that house. There were three windows in that house that were covered in uh, black plastic sheeting and possibly another curtain, but definitely black plastic sheeting. Three windows. I asked Heather, and they're the same windows that Craig had blacked out. Um, Craig, when in the times like leading up to those exorcism experiences, would uh, become extremely reclusive, uh, not want any light in. He would come out to eat, and that was it, um, and would black out these windows. Okay, so three windows blacked out, three men in the house. Um, they told me a story there were three property or three buildings on this property three days before we arrive the kid tells me and then the grandmother confirms three days before we arrive uh a three-year-old burned to death in a fire in one of the houses oh wow okay um is that the the child that they, they saw through the screen door no i don't i don't think so this was years apart so the the kid with the burned face and the screen i didn't even think about that connection actually that's kind of bizarre but that was years that would have been years prior to this okay maybe a, at least a year or two um so threes yeah threes the last thing i mean there's there's a million weird things about this house and the people that are there but um i'll just say this uh because i only have like 20 minutes maybe um i got the footage back from shooting in that house uh the weekend i came back so that was friday i came back saturday and i think it was sunday night i was looking at the footage and um the first thing that the camera sees when i turn it on inside the house because i didn't know at that point if they were going to let us record or not and so i was going to roll on it anyway and I don't know, maybe get permission later or ask for it. <laughs> um, the first thing that the camera points at in these house, in this house is there are four bears. One's holding a sign that says welcome and the third one holds a sign that says go away. 
Um, and I thought that's weird that there are four bears. Like this is after I noticed the three things. So I'm looking for numbers now. Yeah. I'm like, oh, four bears. Okay. And I start looking around and I was like, oh, there's bears. Like she's this person, these people really like bears. There's like bear figurines all over the uh, TV, like entertainment center. All right. And I, okay, play the footage. Uh, every wall in the living room has bear figurines or bear prints. The grandmother's sitting on a blanket with bears and bear prints on it. There's a dream catcher with bears like to my left as I come in up here that I don't see until later. Um, at the top of the stairs, so you go to the right and then you go up these stairs and there's two rooms. The room on the left is the one with all the activity. There's a closet between the two rooms and it is stacked like my chest height with giant stuffed teddy bears. In the room with all the activity, the kid's window is blacked out. It's one of those three windows that's blacked out. And in front of it, in front of the black sheeting, is a giant uh, like quilt blanket thing with a depiction of a bear, a big bear behind his head. Under the moon hanging, that's been there for 25 plus years, uh, there's a stuffed teddy bear that I didn't even take in at the time because I was looking for moons. This right. was a moon. And I didn't even pay attention to what the other kid said, but the talkative kid, I hear it uh, now that I'm like watching the footage three days, two, three days later. Um, he says, yeah, that bear sort of just randomly spawned there. I have no idea where that came from. What? I didn't even pay attention to it at the time because I'm like, this kid's like a constant, he's constantly talking. Yeah. And I'm trying to listen to like Heather. Um, downstairs in the, in Craig's old room, um, on the wall, there's two two of the dream catchers are bears. One of them is a wolf. Um, the bed spread on that bed, bears. Um, so anyway, I'm watching this Sunday night and going through and like, like just every time there's like these were some bear holding fools. <laughs> yeah. Um, and. I messaged uh, Josh and Richie that, and um, at that point, uh, <laughs> so I'm not using the secret cipher view finots anymore. Right. Because uh, it was this weird, like, I'm sure you've felt this, but it, it was the, um, like that tingly feeling of having kind of dipped your toe into the current that runs under things, the unseen like yeah. river. And I could absolutely see how that would get to be addictive. Yeah. Um, and that's what, you know, that's what Richie had warned me about that. He was like, look, the, the whole point of the interaction for the things, the dark things on the other side is to get you obsessed, is yes. to get you addicted to this. And I can see how that would work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that would work. So I don't use uh, that one. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway, I, I've rambled like through pieces of every episode of this thing. Over I love the last it. Hour. Well, when, are you gonna, I, when are you going to be able to release this? So the distributor, Lore, has the first episode. And it's finished. And 
if you're real nice, I might just send you a screener because I'd like to know what you think of it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I would love yeah. that. Uh, I'll do that because I'm, I'm interested in what, because um, like I said, like I'm a, a noob at the, at the paranormal. Um, this is something that I've been into for like two years max, I guess. Right. And um, like, I know a lot more about even the like the the CIA MK Ultra stuff than I do about this side of things. I do too. This is just <laughs> the story that yeah. This is the story that fell to me, and yeah. now I know a lot more about uh, Lilith than I thought I would. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm interested. My point in saying that is like I'm interested in seeing what people who are more into this like your reaction to it. Um, I would love so. to see it. Okay. Love to check it out. And, you know, talking about Hellier, that helped me out so much. I was stuck in my house in this office in quarantine. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I was like, man, I, got, I just got this little desktop and I'm sleeping in a hammock in my office and the rest of the family's throughout the house. And I was like, wow, I got some time to kill. And I don't even know how I stumbled upon Hellier, but yeah. I did. And it was like, all night long just binge watching it i had made myself break it into two nights obsessed so i go outside the next day do reaction videos on instagram <laughs> you know i was just like i was eat up with it man so that's what this reminds me of that it feels like a, a logan county mingo county kind of hell year you know that's exciting hopefully i the uh i'm torn because i'm a big fan of that show yeah but i think we're pretty clearly playing for different teams yeah yeah <laughs> um like man i even you listen to hollow sky yep like even the hollow sky guy's reaction to uh i won't spoil it but the end the end of that show i mean that that's how i felt about it just, I, it was probably the same reaction i had it's probably the reaction video oh if people are listening to this, they've probably listened or watched Hellier already. Okay. Okay. When they're going into the cave to look for figures, you know, they're looking for these robed figures doing a a seance or whatever to, to raise an ancient god. And here, they're the ones that are in the cave doing the seance to raise Pan. You know, I'm like, don't you see that you're the people that you're looking for? You know, you have become <laughs> the monsters, you know? yeah that's i had never thought of it exactly like that but that's exactly right that's exactly right <laughs> i love that show though right if someone was doing the exact same investigation and came upon you just like you know three minutes earlier right be like, i found it yeah <laughs> i don't know yeah i was like it's deeply uh like uncomfortable watching kind of Greg pressured into it. Yeah. Um, did you listen to Penny Royal? I did listen to Penny Royal. Yeah. I, I was, yeah, I was into it, man. I, yeah. Um, I think. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe this is uncontroversial and kind of like a stupid thing to, to say, but. Uh, I think that there's legitimately something 
um, gaining steam or energy or waking up um, in, I don't know about in Appalachia, but it has something to do with that. Yeah. And um, I wouldn't be like, it, I talk about like, there's things that I know, like you uh, talk about your epistemology in concentric circles. So like there's things I know, there's things I believe with a reasonable amount of, like I could give you an argument. Right. And then there's things that I suspect to be the case. Yeah. And the more often, like the longer that I'm in this, the more things that I suspect start just like happening. And so the things I, the thing I suspect is that uh, Hillier is part of that ritual that they're talking about. And like, if you, you should listen to the, um, the sword and staff episode recently where they talk about basically what they think is going on in Hellier. Yeah. I, I got it downloaded. I haven't listened to it yet. Okay. That's basically what I think is going on. Okay. And I'm wouldn't be shocked if somehow like, I think I feel like everyone that watches that is in some way in participation. And I think that like, if not for <clears throat> some, this wouldn't exist, like I would not probably be doing this. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting, like, I don't know, there, there are different ways to think about that, I guess. Yeah. That's interesting. You said that though. That's yeah. Kind of, taking part of a mass ritual almost almost um you're part of the you're part of the picture just by watching it yeah you're, you're giving it your intent you're giving it your energy uh and yeah there's something going on with appalachia it's getting too popular too fast and in the occult you know what i mean it's like not for good reasons it yeah um i got an episode coming out next week where a guy explains we kind of put pieces together for me. He's explaining uh, the ancient mounds, you know, mound builders and the Adena uh, people and stuff like that. Right? Uh, yeah. And he's telling me, well, it'll, it'll actually come out like two weeks before this episode does. But he's talking to me about how, you know, these giants that were in America migrated from ancient Egypt and the Israelites you know they fled there and traveled to here and he connected the serpent mound as an uh a heretical thing in honor of the serpent in the garden that these giants may have been the ones to build and that these the weren't serpent. necessarily yeah the serpent and these serpent weren't necessarily a seed yes yep it's genesis three fifteen inverted See? yeah and that these giants aren't necessarily good people, you know, and that connects with the whole Native American belief that Southern West Virginia, Eastern Kentucky was the dark and bloody ground. You know, it was used for hunting grounds, but very few settled here, except for the Shawnee, you know, they, they settled in to yep. certain areas here, but it, it all just makes sense. You know, this place has always been cursed, man. And were they cursed because they made it cursed land three to 5,000 years ago. Yeah. Uh, have you ever been to uh, Newark Earthworks? I have not. Dude, uh, I'll, if you want to come up sometime, I'll meet you. Um, it is 
so it, it's an earthworks. It's, a, mm -hmm. it's an effigy mound with points that you can plot from like different uh, different points that are clearly defined on the earthworks point directions to the serpent mound to uh, like Machu Picchu to like Stonehenge. Um, and you could like, there's no, you would have to have instruction yeah. at that time to do that. It was like ley lines. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I took a crazy out. deep dive on that stuff. Uh, like all the documentaries on that are terrible quality that I could find, but I watched all of them. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's, it's nuts. Like there is something, there is something there. And I, I pretty much exactly what you're saying. Like I, again, way out on the edge of what I suspect. Right. Is like, there are entities that are geographically tied for some reason to that area because of having been worshipped there millennia ago. Yeah. Well, you, you said the reason why. You know, when you talked about the Watchers and Jesus said, this is my dominion yep. now. You know, I've taken over the nations. They had the nations. It was... Yep. It was allotted to them, you know. So yeah, yeah they were worshipped. You know, all uh, that's what blows my mind is all these Greek mythology gods and all these Norse gods. Those were real entities, you know. It's everything's real, man. <laughs> that's why I just can't. I think um, one of the like after, well, after we all watched uh, Hellier, like Josh and Richard, like started looking at um like pan is depicted the green man is depicted in the lower levels of cathedrals in europe oh wow like is it okay why <sighs> and the why is because they understood like that the pagan deities it's not that they were false gods in the sense that they don't exist right they were false gods because they're not the most high exactly like, they're creatures in his world. They belong to his architecture. And so we'll put them on the lower levels of the architecture. Yes. Um, and I don't think like, I don't know. It, it warms my heart to the, there's someone else because like a lot of, uh, you know, modern evangelicalism not, has no kind of understanding of that. Right. Yeah. They, they, they skip out the parts where he's the, most high you know like among who yeah 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 <laughs> uh, it's a throne room <laughs> you know it's uh there's thrones in the room yeah he's the most high yeah, I mean, yeah i i assume that you've read heiser i have okay. uh, can you see it it's well it's probably also out of view but yeah the unseen oh. realm was behind me on the bookshelf okay uh okay. i got genesis 6 conspiracy uh, Gary Wayne. Ooh, I, I haven't read that one. I have it. It's a big read. I bought it like four years ago, and it was too much for me to tackle. Yeah. But now that I got through Heiser, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring him down and and read that one. I gotta get that one. It'll be a good one. Yeah. That's wild. You uh you should definitely check out Sword and Staff and um, like, I don't know. I'm sure Josh would come on and talk about all this stuff he knows more about it than i do he spent a lot more time he's way more uh erudite than i am <laughs> he's read more well i will uh 
I'll definitely get a hold of him and I'll check out Sword and Staff. Uh, before I let you go, man, I plug this podcast like they need my help. They're they're probably way way bigger than I am. But uh, do you listen to Blurry Creatures? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> I love that. That's my show, man. I like it more than my own show. You know what I mean? It's like they bring on the right people. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Doug Van Dorn on there was uh, big and like was influential for me because I'm like. Um, my faith tradition is like reformed and so like to have a guy from that tradition sort of be like look it's okay to entertain this idea because heiser is not that right Right. yeah sweet man word i'm i'm glad we did this i'm glad we talked yeah Uh, me too man we're gonna have to meet up sometime next time you're around the area um holler at me shoot me a text or something you might have my number by now if not i'll i'll send it to you yeah, man. Um, early October, I think. Um, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can talk about it, but I'm going to Kentucky. Uh, uh, yeah, I can probably. So, uh, you ever listen to Confessionals with Tony Merkel? Oh yeah. Are, are you so, Are you going to be with Tony? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> should I edit that out or should I let it leak? <laughs> uh, I don't know. He he's already handed it. He's going to be. Yeah, he said it. So, yeah, it's on him. <laughs> it's on Tony. Yeah. I owe him that anyway. He he let me on his show. You know, I I, I was on there uh, I was a couple months ago. And he no he finally. Yeah, I waited for like a year to get on his show. I, his backlog's crazy, yeah. I know, man. And we recorded in like February. And it got released in like July or August. And it was a like a six hour special of podcasters that he released like oh, four, yeah. yeah like three big series and i was like number five of six kind of just lost in the shuffle there and i was like well i made it on there you know <laughs> as long as as long as i got it on there but yeah that's cool i'm gonna um i can't remember what the episode number is but i remember that him pushing it and i was like i ain't got time <laughs> yeah it took forever but i I, I did it. I pushed through just so I could hear myself on Tony's show. <laughs> yeah, him and uh, Wes Garmer from Sasquatch Chronicles, they they were big inspirations for it, man. I, I yeah. listened to, to Wes for years before I even thought about doing my own podcast. I haven't listened to his show. I need to. He's the man. I don't have enough time. There's so many good podcasts. Like I know. I listen to... Uh, I listen to mainly Blurry Creatures, Tinfoil Hat, um, and Sasquatch Chronicle. That's my that's my three go tos. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, if you get into conspiracy, Tinfoil Hat with Sam Tripoli. That's yeah. I um, I'll occasionally listen to uh, uh conspiracy theories and unpopular oh. culture. The, Isaac Weishaupt. Yeah. Yep. Um. I listen to his sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. He does pretty good. That stuff's wild, man. The the I don't know, the like Luciferian stuff in Hollywood and uh and music videos and stuff. That's yeah. I don't know. It's all coming to a head. It's all spiritual. I really in my heart believe it. 
everything that's going on in America, everything that's going on around the world, that that cannot be named. It's it's all spiritual, man. And it's all just to test us. I, I really believe that. Maybe not uh, a test from God, but it's it's testing our metal. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's testing our faith. So. so hang in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, I think I'm going to take right. a shower and uh, head to bed, man. If you have anything else, holler at me anytime. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. This is this is really fun. Um, yeah, I appreciate you, man. Uh, it's fun talking to somebody who's like down there. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's fun talking to somebody like minded because a lot of times I just bite my tongue and nod my head and hang up, you know. Oh, dude, uh, I assume this this won't make it, but yeah, I was on um, like Fearscape yeah. podcast with, uh, and both those dudes are like former Christian, uh, now Wiccan Buddhists, <laughs> and um, yeah, it was challenging because they were like I was not prepared to engage in like an apologetics discussion and uh, right. they were talking about like there not being archaeological evidence for the Israelites in the desert and I was like I can't I don't know and right. then I went and googled after and apparently like there there are Harvard journal articles about the archaeological whatever <laughs> right I didn't know it at the time so it, exactly I was like just by my tongue yeah well that's I had the biggest show of my life a few weeks ago. I had Scott Walter from America Unearthed on my show. And, you know, from the History Channel. Yeah. It, and he comes on here and took the show. I wanted to talk about giants and pyramids and Freemasonry and stuff like that. He took the show and just flipped it on its head, man. He turned it into about, you need to go get the vaccine, climate change, this and that. And that he had a he had been in contact with somebody from some department in the, in the government that they selected him to help with the disclosure project that, you know, the aliens weren't happy with the last four years of our presidency and we got to get shit together. And I was like, okay, you know, now what do I, what do I, what do I do here? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I saw some. Okay, that's what someone was commenting about. Um, I think someone had a problem with you not like trying to smack him down or something. Yeah, they said he was Scott Wokester, and I, and I <laughs> but you know, everybody, yeah, I let everybody talk. You know, whatever you got to say, yeah. say it. And yeah. he said it. So. <laughs> oh. uh, all all press is good press. That's right. That's right. And the, a week after that, I brought on a flat earther, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it don't discredit my show, but that's what somebody emailed me. This old man, he listens to my show. He's like 72 years old. He said, do you ever think about your own credibility? <laughs> he said, if I sit here worried about other people, I would never have started the show, man. I'm over here talking about yeah. Bigfoot and ghosts. <laughs> Of course, I don't care about my credibility. Yeah. But. Yeah, that's like, that's another thing about uh, like putting this out, like now apparently, and going on podcasts and talking about it and stuff. Like, I don't know. I want to avoid being that guy. Yeah. So I'm very careful to be like, I don't, I don't know it. I'm, I'm not an expert. Yeah. I'm 
let, like providing a platform for these people to tell their story and then that's relaying it. what happened to us and that's 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 it yeah. you're you're just a conduit let them yeah. say what they want to say there you go man playing it safe i don't blame you yeah all right well again this is the old southern goodbye <laughs> <laughs> say see you later again yeah my dad used to say uh we're off like a herd of turtles <laughs> yeah <laughs> about it all right all right <laughs> all right brother you. have a good night you too when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're looking for the pack that will help you survive the worst day of your life or a pack to use for your everyday carry that you never have to worry about failing. If you're looking for the perfect bug out bag, the perfect bushcraft pack uh, for camping, hiking, whatever your needs. Go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com and check it out. All products are 100% made in America. You can use promo code BUMP22 and save 10% site-wide. All right, that's BUMP, B-U-M-P, 22 to save 10% site-wide. This is a veteran-owned business. Like I said, every component of every product made in America. The buckles, the zippers, the straps, American made. Um, There's never been a more important time than now to bring it home. You know what I mean? So go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com. Best products on the market. I've got videos on YouTube about it if you want to see it. Um, Or just go to the website. Check it out. SquatchSurvivalGear.com. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Hey, Chris messaged me and said that if you guys use Bump22 as the promo code this year, that he's going to increase that discount to 15%. So get on there now. Use Bump22. Save 15% site-wide at SquatchSurvivalGear.com. All right. Now, Dark Holler Part 2 is coming up next. I know you probably are left with a lot of questions. Josh and Richie, they answer some of those questions. But on top of that, Dark Holler is now available to watch on YouTube. Uh, at first, it was just on Lore, L-O-O-R. Um, it's, a, it's a great upcoming um, like video on demand kind of service. But in the meantime, they went ahead and released Dark Holler onto YouTube. Uh, I think the first three episodes are available to watch right now. 
And in the next week or two, they're going to be bringing on episodes four and five. So check that out. You'll love it. Now to talk about Shadow Appalachia. This is going to be um, multiple seasons. Season one, I believe, is going to revolve around Logan County still, West Virginia. What I took part in a couple weeks ago as trouble hits all around this show and my life. Um, so it, it is a very, it's a very real thing. What took part, what took place a couple weeks ago was I was invited with Josh and Richie Ward and a handful of other gentlemen. Um, I'll leave their names out. You'll find out their names later to uh, go search for a ancient serpent mound uh, that was used for ritualistic purposes up to maybe 2,500 years ago that was rumored to possibly still exist around here. Um, it's, it's huge. It's a, it's a huge discovery. It's a huge um, relic. You know, I guess you could call it a location, megalithic marvel, you know, <laughs> There was a newspaper article about it in the 70s that this ancient mound was found on a ridge and they did surveys initially, the initial surveys, and they got the dimensions and the, the area and the direction it's pointing to, um, who they speculated used this mound, but how far back it goes. They suspected maybe like 500 BC, which would probably take it back to what they call the Mound Builders, Adena, Hopewell kind of population before the Shawnee tribes. But I don't know what else they found, but they I think they speculated that the Shawnee used it for rituals um, as holy grounds for them. Um, it was basically a worship site to some deity. Uh, obviously, it was a serpent mound. Maybe it's a serpent god. Maybe um, it connects it to a lot of things. So I don't want to give too much away. But we went there and spiritual warfare honestly ensued. There's so much to talk about. I'm so excited about this. God is raising his army. That's all I'm going to say right now. But look, I got some teasers out there. Josh and Richie, they got some teasers out there. If you follow me on the Believers Only content, I put about a four or five minute video out to give you a glimpse of what's going on. Uh, this is a huge project. There are some more people getting involved soon um, until they're actually here on, you know, in the area. I'm not going to go name dropping, but it, it's, uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to finally get to work with and around some of these guys that, um, we share podcast space. <laughs> okay. I'll say that it's, it's big. The show shadow Appalachia is going to uncover a lot. There's a lot of spiritual warfare. There's a lot of 
historical value. And yes, we found the mound. It's awesome. Just watch it. Um, please join join the Believers Only content. You can do it on the site. You can do it on Patreon. Um, on the site, it's like $1.75 a week still right now. On Patreon, you can choose your tier level. Okay? Um, to get the content, you, know, you can do like a $2 a month, just gee whiz, support the show. You know, or you can go starting at $5 up to, I think my highest one is 30 Um, Might might increase that for people that want to sponsor the show um help help pay for the the adventures and stuff we're going to go on and do these things um a lot of equipment is needed so check it out join get tons of more content uh the bump phone i know guys that that are already on here we're going to a big group chat it only works with apple for right now <laughs> The group chat, uh, I can bring more members in, but it's only like Apple podcast members. So that's, I'm figuring that stuff out. Anyway, this show, awesome. Part two coming up right now. Enjoy it. Love it. Listen to it. Find out what's going on here, okay? Josh and Richie are going to tell their side. Josh is the pastor that um, did the baptism. And he talks about it from his perspective. Then go onto YouTube, watch the series, because there is so much more that they didn't want to disclose on these interviews. There's so much more. There's nothing spookier than demonic possession, right? Happy Halloween. Keep on the armor of God. Stay safe. I love y'all. Hey there, believers. I got a fun episode for you today. Not so much fun as it is scary. Um, I had Ward Honey on here, um, director producer of Dark Holler. Oh, hold on, here's Josh now. All right. Well, my name is Josh Robinson, and uh, to kind of give an introduction of who I am, I'm a husband, a father, a pastor of a church in Madison, West Virginia, just down the road from you. Um, it's uh, called New Haven Church. And I'm also a co-host of a podcast called The Sword and the Staff. And uh, we like to talk about a lot of fringe topics, paranormal topics, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. And kind of, a, we kind of approach it through a a Christian type of, uh, of lens, kind of examining some of that kind of stuff. Uh, my co-host, Richie, uh, he is a former practicing occultist who has uh, become a Christian. And so we have a lot of interesting conversations between the two of us uh, that uh, has really uh, got a following in some ways. And we're, we're really happy about that. And uh, that's kind of where we where I, I got familiar with you is, you know, kind of in that same community. And uh, so yeah, it's uh, nice to meet you and uh, glad to be here on the podcast with you today. Hey, thanks, Josh. It's nice to meet you too, man. Uh, who knew that we were sitting so close to, <laughs> to each other for all this time? Right, I would have never imagined. No, it's, it's worked out though. Uh, thankfully, I got a hold of Ward or he got a hold of me, one or the other. I can't remember now. And, you know, we kind of met each other through him. Yeah. And he was telling me, you know, about Dark Holler. Yeah. And uh, what went on with you. 
during the baptism yeah. of, you know, one of your parishioners, I guess you was, um, yeah. if you don't mind, I think it would be great if I could get your perspective on everything that happened that day. I mean, at the time this airs, yeah, you know, listeners will have heard Ward last week. So if yeah. you could just if you could tell it from from your side, and we'll just kind of pick it apart a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Well, I'll kind of back us up a little bit and kind of give a little little more background to it, and just kind of my history with uh, Kristen, who is the girl who's actually uh, that, that we're referring to here. So. Um, I'll say this, I, I met, well, didn't meet, I met Ward during the filming of Dark Holler, but I've known Ward for years. Like I've known Ward for probably, oh man, five, five years, something like that, half a decade now. And uh, we met through similar uh, mutual friends, uh, through just kind of some of the church circles that we run in. And uh, we got to know one another through that. Uh, we've been in a lot of theological debates over the years and, you know, that kind of thing. That's what, what guys, that's what we like to do. Um, so anyway, that's kind of how I got to know Ward. And, um, so kind of just preface it with that and how I kind of got in, that'll lead us up at some point here to how I ended up involved with Dark Holler. Um, so I've known him for some years. And so back in 2016, 2017, I planted a, a church. Uh, we started off originally in Chapmanville, West Virginia. Then we bounced to Logan, West Virginia, just down the road. Then we bounced back to Chapmanville, West Virginia. Now we've bounced to Madison, West, West Virginia. Uh, we kind of our best to just find a building, you know, that, that we could, you know, have all our people in and that kind of stuff. And so anyway, so uh, we have a family who has been attending our church now for three years. And um, uh, great family really faithful family and um the man who is uh his name is Derek Angel he's actually in Dark Holler as well so for everybody who gets to see Dark Holler you'll see these people that I'm you'll get to meet the people that I'm talking about here but um so Derek and his wife Misty um they they plugged into our church back around um 2019 somewhere like that I think it was like the beginning of 2019 and uh, so got to know them. Uh, he eventually became a deacon. He and I become uh, friends, you know, and all that kind of stuff, you know, through the progress or, you know, through the progress he made through his deacon candidacy and all that stuff. So uh, during that, you know, as that relationship was building, uh, you know, personally, and then also, you know, in the church, I got to meet some of their family and I got to meet his wife's sister, uh, Kristen, uh, named Kristen Bellamy. And whenever I first met Kristen, um, Kristen had been uh, addicted to, to drugs for, for a while. And I don't know if uh, I haven't got to listen to Ward's interview, so I don't know if he talked about kind of some of her background. Yeah. But um, so Kristen, though, had been so I knew a little bit about Kristen. I didn't know a ton about her, but what I mostly knew about her came through her sister, Misty. And it was mostly in the form of prayer requests, you know, being a pastor you know, you're all the time having people, you know, Hey, you know, pray for my family member, you know, that kind of thing. Right. right. So, um, what I learned about Kristen primarily came through that. And basically what I had, what I knew about her at the time was that she had an addiction problem and that she was also, um, pairing that with, uh, practicing witchcraft. Mm -hmm. And like, she was like, she wasn't the type of, 
you know, kind of teeny bopper, you know, witch that you see like on Instagram, you know, who's just using the hashtags like hashtag witch or, you know, that kind of stuff. She, she wasn't into that. Like she was like seriously deep into the stuff that she was in, like where she, you know, I didn't know it then, but I know now like where she had her own altar and, you know, was, you know, doing things with that and, you know, you doing rituals and all, all this stuff. But anyway, um, so, you know, I had met Kristen a couple times and she didn't really seem too interested in anything that I had to say or really just me as a person, honestly. Right. Uh, and she, she talks about that some in the film where she said that if she was around a Christian during that point in her life, it was almost like uncomfortable for her. You know what I mean? Like there was just something about being around people who were Christians that just put her at an unease. Hmm. And so uh, I didn't know that at the time, but, but yeah, so I had met her um, and, you know, just knew a little bit about her, um, had no idea that the struggle was as, as, as deep and as dark as it was. But um, so anyway, but I, I knew, like I said, I knew a little bit about her. So one day I get a call from Misty, who is her sister. And she's basically, she basically says to me, Hey, I have been sharing the gospel with my sister, uh, Kristen, and she's asking to be baptized. I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm like, this is, this is the same sister, right? Yeah. The one who's, you know, been dabble, you know, who's been doing witchcraft and, you know, who's, you know, had the you know drug. And she's like, yes. She's like, you know, my fam, some of my family members have been over to the house and have shared the gospel with her. I came afterwards and, you know, wanted to, you know, talk with her as well. And she's professing faith in the death, burial and resurrection of Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And she's like, and she's wanting to know if you'll baptize her. I'm like, well, you know, if she's doing that, then, you know, absolutely. Um, so I was like, well, I'll tell you what I was like, I'll, she's like, could you at least talk to her? I was like, absolutely. I was like, so, um, I'll meet you guys at Madison park, which is just a block about a block away from where I'm at right now. Um, it's at a little league park, you know, all that. And I was like, absolutely. I'll, I'll meet you guys at Madison park and, um, we'll, I'll, you know, I'll talk to her and we'll see what's going on. And they're like, okay, excellent. Sounds good. So I load up in my car. This is a Sunday evening. This is after church. Um, we'd had church that morning. It was really just out of the blue. And like I said, prior to this event, that's all I knew about Kristen. I didn't know anything else about her other than those things. Um, so I loaded up in my car in about, I don't know, it was about 6 or 7 p.m., something like that, somewhere in that time range. Um, I came down here to Madison Park, which is where we always do baptisms at. We've always done baptisms at Madison Park. Just a really great location, you know, that kind of thing. But anyway... So I got here and whenever I got here, there was like just a bunch of people like from her family that was like here with her. And like, I had never really met the majority of them. And you know, like her mom is here and like her cousins are here and, you know, her sister's here and her, you know, Derek's here. He was at work. Yeah. He was at work at the time. Um, But like her sister, his, her sister's here. And then there's some people from our church here who are personal friends with him. I'm just like, wow. I was like, I was not expecting this. And so, you know, I see Kristen, she's sitting over at a picnic table that's sitting in front of uh, just, it's about uh, 50 yards up from the river. And she's sitting there with her mother 
And so I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'll go over and talk to her. And so me and one of the men who is one of our elder candidates at our church, um, we had been talking prior to walking up and I was like, well, let's go over here and see what's going on. So we, we walk over and I introduce myself to Kristen and, um, and I was, I was like, hi, you know, I'm, I'm pastor Josh. I'm, you know, your sister's pastor and Derek's pastor. And, um, you know, I heard that you are professing faith in Christ and, um, you know, I, I don't know if, I think that at this point she was detoxing. I think that she, she had was coming off of the drugs that she was using. Um, but she was very, uh, like she was, she is not the same person at this point that she is today. I'll just say that. Like she, like the person that she was whenever I met her here, it was just entirely different than, than how she, she is. So anyway, um, and she's like, you know, she kind of, she's looking up at me and she's like, yeah. And like, she doesn't have a lot to say. <laughs> like, she's not like, you know, like if anybody knows Kristen, like Kristen's not a, uh, especially at this point, um, she's not a super like loud person. Like she's not somebody who's super talkative, very reserved, mm -hmm. or like uh, very shy and backwards. Um, she's a little bit less backwards now, you know, now that, you know, now that she's no longer you know, struggling with addiction and things like that. But anyway, um, so I was like, oh, okay. So I'm like, so you, I'm like, you believe this, this, and this, uh, like you believe death, burial, resurrection, Christ. For she's like, yeah, I believe that. I was like, okay, well, I was like, I, I, you know, I see no reason to not baptize you, you know, um, you know, in order to be baptized, that's what you have to believe. And so I was like, so I guess we'll just walk down here to the river together and, you know, we'll do this thing. And she's like, okay. So as, so, so her and I, and the other man who is one of our elder candidates, we proceed to the little coal river, um, and which is just down off the dock from where we're at. And, um, we get in the water and as we get into the water, like we, we walk on out through there and she talks about now that as she was walking into the water, it just felt like that there was this presence stopping her from trying to go out. Um, she, she actually broke her toe immediately getting into the water. Like, so just this weird, just freak like accident. Yeah. Um, like just really odd. Um, I've, I've baptized all kinds of people in that river and like, I've never seen anything like that. So uh -huh. anyway, so we make our way out to the river. Um, we get about midways into the river. And, um, so I, we, we kind of face the crowd. And I begin to kind of tell what the little bit of the story that I know about Kristen. And basically I address the crowd and I say this, I said, you know, this is Kristen. Uh, Kristen has given her life to, to Christ. You know, she's believing in the gospel. And as some of you guys know, she's had struggles and darkness in her life and she's going to need your help in the fight and in the battle to overcome a lot of this. Uh, overcome a lot of this and um those are some of the things that i remember saying i i would have to like i would have to go back there's a video of it out there that's a in my mind that's what i remember um yeah. it's something along those lines but it was it was interesting so so after i addressed the crowd before we baptized her i said to her hey do you mind if i pray for you she's like no go ahead and i'm not kidding you 
Um, so here's the reason why I, I want to lay out the rationale as to why I decided. So, yeah. you know, it, in church history, whenever baptisms were done, exorcisms always, always accompanied them. I didn't know that. Most people don't know that. Yeah. But if you look back throughout church history, there were baptismal rites where the recipient of baptism would renounce the devil. Like you can just Google that and you can find it. It's like, I renounce the devil and all his vain pomp and, you know, all this stuff. Um, but there were, there was kind of this little, uh, you know, ritual or liturgy that kind of went with, with baptisms that was a minor exorcism is what it's called. And, um, well, I mean, if you think about the symbolism of why it, it makes sense, because, you know, it's, it's kind of like, a uh, you know, you know the story in the Bible, right? When, when God brings the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage and He brings them through the Red Sea, right? Right. It's it's kind of the same symbolism, right? So, it's that's a deliverance, right? God delivers them out of the kingdom of darkness and then brings them into the kingdom of light. So that's really what's going on in baptism, and that's why the church attached this this ritual to to baptism because they saw it as being very similar god taking someone out of the kingdom of darkness mm -hmm. bringing them through the waters and bringing them into the kingdom of light and so anyway so i i, I knew that and i thought to myself i was like if anybody has if anybody is experiencing demonic oppression mm -hmm. or even possession it would be this girl. Yeah. But just because of what little bit I know about her, um, just because I know that she's dabbled in this stuff and, you know, there's, there's this history with drugs, this would be the person who would struggle with this kind of stuff. I'm like, so I think that this would be a great time to say, you know, this traditional exorcism prayer that goes along with this. So I start, I asked her if I could pray with her. She said, absolutely. So I basically said a, a, a version of this, this baptismal rite, this exorcism prayer. And, uh, you know, basically it's asking God that if there's anything, any types of spiritual warfare, any types of demonic uh, entities oppressing this person, that he would cast them out and that he would judge them is basically what, what's going on with it. So I pray this, and as soon as I pray this, there is a reaction to this that I've never experienced before and I've never experienced since. So as soon as I said that, she starts like, it's almost like this type of convulsion. I don't know how that's the closest thing that it's like this low, like this low key, mm -hmm. just shaking behavior. Never seen anything like it before. Never seen anything since. Every baptism that we do at our church has this exorcism that accompanies. I've never seen anything like it. Wow. Um, and I, like I look, me and the other guy, like we look at one another and we're like, okay, we've never seen this before. Right. And so, um, you know, we're like, okay, well, you know, we'll just keep going. And so at that time, I, I kind of, I, we, I grab one of her arms and he grabs one of the other, her other arm. And I look to the, to the crowd and I kind of start to say the, you know, the triune formula that you have for baptism, you know, you know, you say the person's name is like, Kristen, we now, because of your profession of faith, we now baptize you in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. 
right? And before we ever got to finish that bap- the baptismal formula, before I said, we baptize you name in the Father and the Son, and she starts falling backwards. Like just, wow. I've never, just really odd. I've never experienced anything like it but it, it kind of worked out because we were fixing i said and holy spirit and then we just we just went on with the the you know her falling and just picked her straight up so we plunged her down into the water and then when we brought her back up there was this just piercing scream that came from her whenever she come up out of the water and as a pastor i've witnessed a lot of different types of behaviors at baptisms, right? Like I've, you know, I've, I've seen people who are very stoic, right. like who go down into the water and they come back out and there's not a ton of emotion. Right. I've seen people who go down into the water and then they come out and they're crying. I've seen people who've went down on the water and come out and there's a little bit of shouting. <laughs> yeah. I, especially in our area, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I've never baptized someone and brought them back through the waters and heard a scream. And then after this scream, there was this type of just the only thing that I can compare it to is like a heaving. Like, there, like, like, you know, you're, you're, if you've ever tried, you know, if you've ever been sick and you're throwing up and you like dry heave, there's just nothing coming out. Yeah. That's what it was like. And then after that, she did that like three to four times. Like she, the scream, kind of like the heaving. And then she puts her hands in her face and just starts crying like this. And like I said, I've seen a lot of behaviors, but I've never seen anything crying quite like that. Right. So as this is happening, the other man who's helping me baptize her is very startled. Okay. Uh, like very startled. So he actually sees it and he actually takes a step or two back <sighs> and was kind of in like a, like a defensive posture, kind of like this, yeah. like kind of had his hands out, like didn't really know what to think. So anyway, after she, you know, she starts, she puts her hands in her face, in her hand, you know, face in her hands and starts crying. Uh, we, we help her back to the, back to the bank and we get her to the bank. And whenever she gets there, you would think that she would go and like run to her family and celebrate you know, and you know, all that kind of stuff that comes along with the baptism, right? right you know, you've got yeah. everybody who's coming, who's there and they're like, oh, we're so proud of you, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Well, that wasn't what happened. So what happened was we get her back to the bank and she sits down at the edge of the bank, right on the, where the concrete's starting to, to start. And she, she ha- grabs her head like this and she just starts rocking back and forth like this in kind of like a curled up position sitting down oh my gosh very very strange behavior and so her family like comes to her yeah you know and so at this point like i i'm i've never seen anything like that but i you know i don't say anything about it like uh i you know i say you know talk to the family and they're like thank you so much and you know that kind of stuff and you know i say goodbye to the family and um, that's it. So I get in the car and my wife is waiting in the car. Um, she's went ahead, uh, went ahead of me right. and she, as I'm sitting there, as I sit down, she said, Josh, I'm going to ask you something. I said, okay. She said, 
you think there was a demon coming out of that girl? Yeah. And I was like, you know, I said, I wasn't going to say anything about it. Um, but that's exactly what I thought. Yeah. I was like, and the interesting thing is, is whenever we were out in the water, I actually prayed a traditional style exorcism prayer while we were out there. And then that happened immediately afterwards. Yeah. My wife's kind of just mind blown at this point because, you know, she's been with me this entire journey. She's seen a lot of baptisms. She's like, I've never seen a baptism like that. Hmm. So I go home and whenever I get home, I start getting phone calls and mind you at this point in my, at this point, I'm a very skeptical person. Right. Like, uh, you know, I'm one of those, like prior to this event, I was one of those types of ministers who wasn't even sure if things like this happened today, you know, and the reason why is because you see so much of it on, you know, televangelism, you know, that kind of yeah. stuff, uh, you know, the evangelism channels, and it's done so badly, you know, and a lot of people do it to try to get your money and, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. So that really turned me off on a lot of this stuff and, and really just led me to the conclusion that a lot of this stuff was fake, you know? And uh, so honestly, I, I just thought that a lot of that stuff was for show. And I just, I wasn't entirely convinced that this type of stuff still happened today. Um, or if it did, it was very rare. You know, when, when I went to seminary, the way that they kind of trained me to think about this type of stuff was to, um, I mean, they, they kind of teach you to kind of almost view it in a disenchanted way. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by disenchanted means is a purely naturalistic scientific view. Like there's no, nothing like supernatural about it. Like most of the time you're taught to view this as all oh, the person has a mental illness or something like that. And, you know, it's not demon possession, you know, that type of stuff doesn't happen, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and they'll even say things like, you know, a lot of what people thought throughout church history was demon possession was actually, you know, mental illnesses. They just didn't have the right language and categories for it, you know, that kind of thing. So that was kind of the framework that I was rolling with at this point. And then this event happened. And then whenever I get home, I start getting calls from some of our parishioners who were there. And I get a call from one of the, the, the women, a woman who was there, who's also in dark collar. Uh, who is one of Kristen's best friends. And she says to me, I'm, she's like, I'm going to be honest. I was very startled by what I saw. I've never seen anything like it. I know Kristen. I know what type of person she is. And I have never seen her do or anything like that. Do you think that a demon come out of her? So this is a second person who, who's not out in the water with me, who's, right. who has no idea that I've said this, you know, baptismal right, um, who's drawing the same conclusion. And so, I, you know, I had a conversation with her. Then after that, I get a call from her sister-in-law or her sister and her brother-in-law. This is after he gets home from work. He works in the coal mines. And he says to me, uh, they're, they're both, they've got me on speakerphone. They're talking to me together. And both of them, um, Derek's asking me what's going on, what's happened. And Misty says, Josh, you know, that's my sister. I've known her my entire life. I know what type she's like, I've never seen anything like that. Do you think that a demon came out of her? Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so, you know, had the conversation with them and then at about, it was approximately somewhere between, you know, 11 to midnight that night. I finally talked to the other man who was with me doing the baptism, you know, we're talking, I'm like, you know, how did you, what did you think about today? He's like, well, you know, I felt like that we, you know, that we, we got, you know, what little bit we got to talk to her. You know, I felt confident that she, you know, was professing faith. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure of that. You know, um, I'm talking about the actual event itself. And this man is a very, if you know this man, he is a very careful, very careful man, very skeptical man too. Um, he kind of come out of that type of tradition where that the stuff that I was talking about, yeah. And so, you know, he came out of that. He knows kind of the dangers of it. And so anyway, um, he paused for a minute and he said to me, I'm going to be honest. He said, whenever we were standing out there in the water and she came up and she did what she did, I thought that something maybe come out of her. And I said to him, you know, I'm, I'm not entirely sure that's what happened. At this point, I'm still kind of holding to this type of you know skeptical type yeah. of you know like oh, i'm not you maybe it was maybe it wasn't and i was like but i said here's one thing i know i've never witnessed anything like that in my life and it's it's interesting that it happened whenever there was an exorcism right baptismal right that that accompanied it yeah. i was like so um you know so that's the event um and after the event you know Kristen went to rehab you know, um, I think she actually went to rehab the next, the next day or the day after or something like that. Um, she actually went to the hospital for a toe and, you know, all that stuff. But anyway, um, so th that was kind of the way that I approached the event. I was like, you know, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, I don't know. You know, I didn't want like some, like there to be like hysteria or, you know, something like that. All right. But, uh, anyway, whenever she got back from rehab, one of the very first things that she did was actually call me and she told me her perspective on it from her end yes um very different very different person at this point and uh she she confirmed to me that that was what she had experienced and so from that point on i was comfortable with saying this is what happened yeah wow gosh uh yeah see demons and possession that has always been the one thing that's scared me. You know, yeah. I was, I was raised Catholic. Interesting. Um, and to me, it was very real. You know, yeah. I, I remember I was a little boy. My grandmother was watching 2020 and they had like this exorcism on, on TV and I hid in the bathroom, you know what I mean? Cause my couldn't handle it. And that that's always been the thing that's, frightened me until here recently when i figure how much power we have over you know these spirits and stuff right but um let me ask you man uh so she she confirmed that she felt she's yeah. she felt it leave right yeah yeah she also said to me and confirmed that whenever she went down on the water you remember me saying that she fell yeah she said that whenever at that point the reason why she fell was because she was experiencing some type of phenomenon where something was shoving her down into the river. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, so it that... kind of made sense to me of some of the odd behavior 
yeah. that I experienced at the time. I had no category for it, but after I talked with her and she confirmed, so I was like, "Wow, this makes a lot of sense of the the stuff that I thought was very strange." Yeah, like the con- the like the convulsions might have been more of a, a struggle that you're feeling her, yeah, fighting against it and the broken toe. Yeah, that's an attack, right? Yeah, that's very. It was trying to keep her from going. Yeah. And she talks about that. Like, and that's one of the things she, you know, if you, if you listen to her perspective and her testimony about it, she talks about that as she's walking down, there is just this struggle going on. And like, there is something trying to keep her from going down into the river. And then basically it's like, Hey, well, since you're, you finally come out here and you, you had the courage to do it, I'm just going to put you down on the river and I'm going to keep you here. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh, that's that is that's still scary, man. That's yeah, it's it it, it power. honestly, yeah, it was something that startled me. Yeah. Um, and honestly, in some ways, still does. Um, you know, but yeah, it's yeah. So, okay, let me ask this. Yeah. When when she came up, that scream was that her scream, or was that this a demonic kind of thing? Um. Because initially I thought, you know, she come up screaming and then starts crying. Maybe it was from relief. Yeah. But was it, was there something, was it still hanging on? Was it, was she purging it? Is that what the, the, the gagging and stuff was? I, you know, if, if I were the one to answer the question from my perspective, yeah, that's what I think was going on. You know, I, I think that, at this point, what's going on with Kristen is I think in the process of the baptism now, so I'll, I'll say this. I don't believe that that, that baptism saves. Like I, I don't, I'm not the type of Christian that, that believes that baptism saves. There are people out there who would disagree with me on that and think that, right. but what I, I think happened was, is I think that God in this particular event saved uh, Kristen through this baptism. Yeah, And I think be. that the, the entirety of the event was the thing that led to what I would say the expulsion of this entity in, in what appeared to be heaving or, you know, something like that. That's what I would say. I, I think that, you know, a lot of people think that baptism saves just in and of itself. You no, know what I mean? No. Yeah. And, and, yeah. I think that it, it took, I think all of the conversations leading up, up to this event probably opened her eyes in some ways and, and, perhaps was working on her and, you know, led to conviction and, Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, And I think that the prayers and the proclamation of the gospel in the river and, you know, prior to that and all just the whole event, I think God miraculously used this whole event for that. And I think that that's what personally, I think that's what was going on in, in that, that behavior. Yeah, that's exactly what that sounds like to me too. Yeah. Interesting, interesting fact. Um, whenever uh, Ward, and I don't know if he talked about this in his interview with you. Um, whenever Ward rolled back the film and was examining the film, um, there was a weird EVP on that part of the film, and like it really sounded like in the video a type of animalistic type of noise i don't know if he mentioned that or not but he did it's in dark color he yeah he did yeah yeah i didn't know that until months well until we we got into until you know we got into filming dark holler you know way on down the line 
And, you know, we had kind of given him all of the evidence from the, you know, the event, you know, and he was, you know, sorting through it himself. He was actually the one that found it. I, I but it was the, the scream that she let out was, it was harrowing. And it's, it's something that I, I will probably never forget. Man. Well, I'm, I'm as, as horrible as, you know, some of the events sounded, I'm so glad she went through with that, you know, that she was delivered and it's changed her life. Yeah. She's an entirely different person today and has been, has been since like it's, it really, it really is amazing if you were to talk to her today and, yeah. you know, like she's, she's a different person. It's, yeah. You know, cause I know we're from the same area, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, initially I would imagine, you know, from a, a spectator's position, you know, if I was standing there watching, you know, you would almost believe if you didn't know her, that it would be some kind of theatrics, you know, some kind of yeah. dram- dramatic reaction. Yeah. But if you have all these people coming and saying, you know, that's not her, that's not, that's not the type of person she is. And she was reserved and yeah, you know, that just, that gives you so much more peace of mind knowing that you, you, you were a part of a miracle, man. Yeah. Well, that was the thing. That was the thing for me that really helped seal the deal on my thoughts about it was just because, you know, I, I remember asking people afterwards just because I was trying to dig in further and to, to just figure out like what it was that I experienced. And, you know, I remember asking people because I didn't know Kristen that well at that point. Right. And just like, you know, is this, is she like, a you know, like, is she a dramatic person? You know, is she like, you know, is she a theatrical type of person? Like, and everybody's like, no, like she's, and, you know, the more that I've been around her, you know, from, from dollar collar and, you know, even the interview that we did on, on cultish and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Like that's, she is who they said she was. And, you know, that was, uh, that was a pretty, pretty foundational for me to try to draw some of the conclusions that, that I did. So. And it's changed your life, you know, it, it, has. it, it took you from the, uh, you know, skeptical Christian, you know, yeah. uh, Cause I, I feel like, you know, Christianity is very watered down, you know, yeah. um, it took you from that to the, the man you are today, you know, reading yeah. Dr. Heiser's work. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, that, that event, it, it changed my life and not only did it change my life, but it changed our church's life. Yeah. Um, because that led to me getting into the work of Dr. Heiser and, you know, who talks about the unseen realm and the reality of, of things like angels and demons and the different types of spiritual entities that are out there and how they interact with the world and that kind of stuff. Um, it, you know, that led to me teaching a lot of this stuff to our local church, which in, in turn changed their world. And so, you know, there, like I said, there's definitely the part of Christianity out there where it is watered down and like some of the stuff that you see on TV is fake. Right. But on the other hand, like you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, like I would, like I was doing. Yeah. Um, there is the side out there too, though, that is discerning and isn't into that, and like really are encountering things like that. And yes. that event took me down the rabbit hole in some some ways. <laughs> well, I'm glad it did. Um, yeah. Like I told you before we started recording, you know, just in the last year or two, 
you know, my eyes were opened up to the reality of all you know, that everything's real, you know, yeah. spiritual warfare is literally going on, whether we realize it, whether we agree with it, it's we're true. dealing with it, you know? Yep. Um, the, the more I hear, the less I, you know, I don't want to say I don't believe in science. That would be ridiculous, but yeah, the more I hear, the more I believe that a lot of these are uh, a misdiagnosis when there is an oppression or a yep. possession and we're slapping a label and giving it a pill and just feeding that demon and keeping it happy, you know? Yeah, no doubt. It's, it's true. And honestly, this event has changed the way that I pastor people, you know, prior, prior to this event, um, you know, somebody would have come up to me and said, I'm experiencing demonic oppression or affliction. And I'd have been like, eh, maybe, you know, right. like, you know, you probably need to go see your doctor is probably yeah. what I would have told them. And, you know, now, like, I feel like that that's just not a great way to pastor people now, right. you know, like, it, and, but the, here's the reality. That's how most pe pastors are taught to yeah. pastor. Yeah, and that. yeah. And so for me, it's, it's changed just my practical, you know, day to day with people, you know, now, like, you know, I try to help people who are dealing with actual, actual mental illnesses and things like that. And, you know, try to point them to a doctor, but at the same time, I also now have the categories and understand how, uh, spiritual warfare, how those types of things happen in someone's life. And Kristen was honestly, in some way, she was the perfect case. Like she, she was not only was she using mind altering drugs, but she was also, you know, use dabble. She had dabbled enough in the unseen realm using witchcraft and things like that to where she was open to different types of spiritual beings out there that, that led to what she, you know, experienced today. And so, hmm. so you think, uh, was she dabbling at that point, Josh, or was she practicing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She it was more than dabbling at that point. She was yeah. she was practicing. She was deep. She was deep in at that point. Yeah. Because I was wondering, you know, how does she open herself up? Well, I know you can, you can through drugs alone, you probably can lower your, you know, your energy enough to let this stuff in. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Was she using Ouija boards and stuff like that, or? She was so. From from what I understand, she was using a lot of uh she i know that she was using things like crystals and things like that and um she she was uh i know she was burning different different types of things and kind of using them as offerings you know on her altar and stuff like that but like uh the thing that's interesting is like she was actually invoking the like like actual spiritual entities in her practices. And in particular, one of those spiritual entities that she was invoking is a known uh, Mesopotamian demonic being named Lilith. I knew you were going to say that. That's what word said too. Yeah. Oh, wow. And yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing about Lilith is she's actually mentioned in, in the scriptures, in the book of Isaiah. And, he talks about her uh, in a symbolic way because, you know, spiritual beings have symbolism attached to them and stuff like that. And the, the, uh, the, she has like owl, owl symbolism attached to her in the scriptures and not only in the scriptures, but even in, you know, the Mesopotamian world. Like if you look up depictions of Lilith or Lilu or Lilith, uh, some of the names that she has, 
um, she has like you'll see owls with her, and you know it's uh there's a lot of stuff in Dark Holler that happens with owls and night birds and things like that that's really interesting that connects into this case. But but yeah, so yeah, you know it's it's more than just she was dabbling; she was actually invoking these known spiritual beings and asking them and soliciting them for things and oh my gosh you know that's that's what happens you know you you end up under the influence and you know in her case more than under the influence you know possessed by um spiritual beings like this so very it's you know it's this stuff is very very dangerous you know most people think that um that it's harmless and it's all in good fun and you know, that kind of stuff, especially like we're getting close to Halloween, right? right? It's the season to play with Ouija boards and to, to dabble in things. And no, way it ain't. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, that's right. It's definitely not the season to dabble, to dabble in things. Uh, that's how you end up in trouble and, and end up, you know, if you, you know, keep going to the length that she did, how you end up in serious, serious trouble. So, yeah, man. So how did this, how did Ward find out about this? Like, yeah, because this was you kept this pretty well private, right? You didn't yeah. like run no, to the yeah. banner or something about it. You just no, yeah, no. It was very private, and um, even in our church, it was very private. Like it's only the handful of people who were there from our church, yeah, uh, knew about it. So it wasn't even something like that we went just talking about and spreading, like in our church. Um, so. <sighs> So Ward and I connected um, back during COVID. So, I mean, we've been talking for years. And like I said, been a part of the same circles. But um, he and I have probably had more in common than others in that circle. And so I can't remember if I messaged him or if he messaged me now. But basically, um, he had kind of felt fallen down a rabbit hole during COVID mm-hmm. and was like, coming across a lot of similar things you know uh hellier right hellier yeah <laughs> hellier was one of them um which i ended up watching hellier during 2022 i did um, too yeah in quarantine yeah, yeah. yep I, we did too and um he ran into hellier and then he ran into a lot of just threads that connect to that in some ways and he his he, he knew that i was a pastor and so he basically asked me if I had come across anything strange. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, I've got something. I've got something strange for you. Uh, and so it basically led to me telling him the story of Kristen. And he's like, oh, oh, wow. You know, like uh, the, I, I need to learn more about this. And that actually led to an interview that he and I did. He's in Ohio. Mm-hmm. I'm in West Virginia. Um, so it led to our initial interview that actually led to dark collar. So he and I talked, uh, it was probably over an hour and he set up cameras, you know, just because he wanted to get it all on camera and, and, you know, cause he didn't know what was going to come of it at the time. I don't think I didn't either, but it was basically me telling him the story of Kristen and what all happened. And after I told him the story, he was, he was, he was in, he was hooked and he had to find out more about this story. 
which led to him coming down to West Virginia and for like a week straight, just shooting different things and then learning new things about Kristen and her story. Actually, during this process, we found out that the things that Kristen had experienced were not um, novel. They weren't just with her. They were things that her family had been experiencing for several uh, generations. Like mm-hmm. there, there has been this dark presence following her family and her uncle had actually been a practicing witch and had also um, experienced possession like she had. And he was somebody who was very um, significant in her life in some ways and that she looked up to. So. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had said something about how this exorcism, you know, this, this event wasn't the entire story of dark holler, you know, that it opened the door to a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's the, the, the exorcism is kind of a symptom of a much larger thing. Yeah. Like it's, it's the, like I said, I didn't know how deep this rabbit hole went. Whenever I met Kristen, Kristen, I baptized her. And then the exorcism happened as dark holler was, was happening. Um, and I was around her family and hearing them tell these stories that I had no idea about. And honestly, they, some of them didn't even know about it. Um, it wow. The rabbit hole went way, way deeper. Yeah. Well, I, I can't wait to get to see, you know, the series that he's doing. And I think he's going to send me a link to, you know, like a, a trailer or, or something, you know, a little, yeah. little something. And I, I want to see that, but when I found him on Instagram, I don't know how I found him either on Instagram. Yeah. Um, I, I saw pictures of downtown Logan, you know? Yeah. I thought, man, I, I used to walk around on these streets, you know? Yep. And so I started clicking through and I sent him a message. I said, do I know you? And he said, you might, you know, who are you? And we, yeah. we hit it off. And yeah. Just, I, so we, we got down here, whenever he got down here, basically conversations happen between me and him. So like, you know, the following the going further down the rabbit hole led me to investigating all sorts of high strangeness and just weird stuff. And, um, you know, it basically like you'll hear me in dark holler kind of giving Ward an overview of some of the high strangeness and the weirdness that's occurred in our area, you know, from the Mamie Thurman stuff yes. and some of the phenomena that happens with her to, you know, there's, you know, there's reports, you know, of things like devil dogs and, you know, things like that. And, and, you know, not just that, but, you know, I, you know, there's a old, you know, legends of, you know, at certain times of the year, you know, the, the spirit of devil Ann's Hatfield up, uh, you know, down Sarah Ann comes up out of the grave and, you know, replays a baptism. You know, there's all kinds of little weird local stories. Yeah. Um, there's even UFO sightings going all the way back to the seventies. Oh area. yeah. And so I, I, I kind of filled him in on a lot of that stuff. And then interestingly enough, a lot of the stuff kind of connected in together in some ways. And Kristen's story falls into a larger story that's at yeah. play. It's kind of like our own hellier, but holier. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. <laughs> right? Yeah. 
it's and yeah instead of us ending up down in you know the cave somewhere and invoking pan yeah. it ends up in a, uh, in a river invoking jesus so it's, yeah. it's uh yeah it's but yeah i mean you know honestly i i would say that even some of the stuff here that we found you know whether you know you know greg and dana and the hellier folks aren't aware of us or anything like that but right. you know there's a lot of the stuff that that actually connects in with a lot of the stuff that they're finding and, and doing, I think, I mean, you know, some of it connects into, you know, point pleasant, you know, point pleasant stuff and Mothman stuff. And then, you know, a lot of that type of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Which is right up their alley. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it all connects. And like I was telling Ward, our area is supposedly, you know, the native Americans call it the duck, the dark and bloody ground. Right. Yeah. Between Southern West Virginia, Eastern Kentucky, the region, it was like a hunting ground, but it wasn't so much of uh, a place to raise your family, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah, uh, I, I think that has a lot to do with the phenomena in, in our area. Um, I think yeah. that the, the, the Native American presence here and, you know, the, you know, also, you have paganism, which uh, from a Christian perspective, and people may disagree with me, you know, who have differing perspectives, but from a Christian perspective, that would, un, you know, uh, that could explain a lot of the weird phenomena here because we have, you know, we have geographical areas being, from my perspective, again, being defiled with pagan worship, mm -hmm. you know, in, invoking spiritual entities. Yeah. And, like, why would we not think that they're responding to this? You right. know what I mean? So, yeah. Nobody's telling them to leave. So that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and, you know, in some, honestly, that's my theory. I have a theory of everything on why this area is the way that it is. And, and yeah. I think that, yeah, my theory basically is this. Uh, my theory is that this land is under what somebody like Mike Heiser and what the Bible would call a principality. A principality is is basically a spiritual being that was placed over the nations at Babel, like yep. Deuteronomy thirty two. Whenever God spread, you know, He spreads out the nations in the Babel event in Genesis chapter eleven. He installs uh, angelic beings over the nations. Yes, and in the Bible, the the name that they get attached to them are principalities. Principalities simply just means princes. Mm -hmm. So what happens is those spiritual beings end up rebelling against the one true God. And that's where the gods of the nations come from. Right. And so, you know, what happens from there is the nations are scattered, right? Yeah. You know, um, we know that at some point in the history of the world, um, there were things like land bridges that connected continents that are no longer connected. And perhaps even continents were closer together and hadn't spread out at that point. We don't know. But um, you can see how people could spread out to these places. And you can see, um, well, I, I call it in some ways, Babel in your backyard. And here's what I mean by that. Um, you see, well, you see things like Egyptian style um, architecture yes. in the Americas. Yes. Like if you go to South America, you see things like pyramids, mm -hmm. right? Uh, they, they have very similar architecture and it's all the same worldview, right? Like at the top of these pyramids, it's like a holy mountain, right? Like you're meeting the gods there. Right. And that's what they would do. A lot of the times there were, um, 
you know, temples that sit at the top of these pyramids, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Inca and, you know, Aztecs and stuff like that. They would have a temple at the top of them. They would make sacrifices at the top of them and roll heads down the steps. But you get to South Charleston, West Virginia. There you go. <laughs> and even the serp and even the serpent mound. Yep. And you have you have high places. They're different, but what are they? Well, they're they're mounds. They're mounds. But they're they're high places. And then there's people buried in them and there's ceremonial ashes in them and those types of things. So how does that get here? Right. There's, well, my there's giants in those. There's mounds. Yeah, there's giants in those mounds. So my theory is that this event from Genesis chapter 11, the scattering of the nations, some of those people with that worldview mm-hmm. scattered to the Americas. And so whenever they scatter to the Americas, guess what comes with them? The principalities that they worship. Yeah. And guess what comes with the principalities? A lot of weird, strange phenomena. Desecration of, of lands, yep. of grounds, darkness, that type of thing. And so that's why that's my theory on a lot of this stuff. Josh, that's I, I agree with you hundred percent. I feel the exact same way. Uh you're not alone. Yeah. Did you listen to my episode about uh on the trail of giants? I started to. I haven't got to finish it yet, but I've listened to a little bit of it. Okay. Um that guy's his name's Adam Stokes. Mm. He went to uh, I think a Yale Divinity School. Yeah, he went to Duke University. He got his doctorate somewhere else. I can't remember off the top of my head, but his theory, you know, his research because he still studies ruins and everything else. Yeah, um, was that some Israelites or Egyptians or you know commingling of made their way over to here. Yeah. And what we're seeing is basically American pyramids and that it's, it all ties in. And yeah. I, I've, I'm right there with you, you know, cause yeah. he didn't want to necessarily say that these giants in the mounds, you know, might be, you know, biblical giants that they were just maybe yeah. a, a big race of people. Right. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you, man. I think that what we have here from 5,000, however many thousands, 9,000 years ago, uh, this, this goes straight back to principalities. I think it goes back yeah. to biblical days. Uh, yeah. I'm so glad you said it the way you did because you have, you're much more well-versed in this kind of talk than I am. You know, I, yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. I just, I know how I feel and what I think, and you're saying it all out loud and I love it. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it, it may surprise people to hear that in some ways, but all of the, I think that's one of the reasons why our work at Sword and Staff has appealed to a lot of people in the paranormal community yes. because we we are able to basically take a lot of the same things that they've been saying for a very long time and able to place it in a framework and say yeah like actually your worldview overlaps with the biblical worldview and like they're not actually at odds with one another exactly it's all yeah. real <laughs> it's, yeah. that's it's all real it's that's all right. real you know yeah you're not you're not crazy like all of this stuff, yeah. Like it, there's another book that I read. Uh, I actually have it back here on my shelf called Through New Eyes by James Jordan. And uh, he talks about the symbolism of uh, holy places. And one thing that holy places all have in common is they're all high, they're all high places. Yep. So and they take on different forms in different cultures, but pyramids are one. 
right? That's high, that's a high spot, right? And then you've got what's called, you know, you've got the mounds, which are the same thing. They're artificial, uh, art, you know, man-made high places. And then you've got obsolisks, which you see those all over Egypt too. Um, but all of this stuff, it all corresponds to one another. It's all used for principality worship. It's, uh, yeah, it all fits together. Yeah, every time, well, not maybe not every time, but a lot of the times in the Bible, when, when God comes to talk to somebody, where do they meet him at? High grounds. Right, on the mountain, right? Yeah. Up on the Moses, mountain. Moses, Mount Sinai, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, even Eden is on a mountain. We learn that in Ezekiel. And the rivers flow down off of that mountain and water the world. And then, you know, Jesus gives his famous sermon on the mount. He's transfigured <laughs> on a mountain. Yes. The last words that he gives to his disciples in Matthew 28 is on a mountain. The church in Hebrews 12 is called a holy mountain, Mount Zion. Yeah, so, so of course they're going to build mountains to reach to their gods, right? That's right. That's that's the worldview. And so that's how you end up with this worldview in your backyard because it came from that place and th with this worldview and it ended up here. Yeah. Now, if you can convince people, like I was watching Wrath of the Titans last night, not Clash, but the second one. Yeah. And, you know, and they're like going into uh, Tartarus you know, and you got these old gods chained up down there and, you know, all the demigods running around that people were worshiping and stuff. And the whole time I'm telling my wife, I'm like, this is real. You know, yeah. <laughs> these are Tartarus the is, gods, you know. Tartarus is real. Yeah. And, Peter, uh, talk, Peter talks about it in the New Testament. She's like, just watch the movie, you know. And I'm like, I can't help it. I want yep. people to know. Yep. Because God, our, our God is the most high. That, that doesn't... If he's the most high, there means that there'd be some middle ground guys, right? You know, these, right. these lesser gods that that's right made up Greek theology and that's right. Roman. That's one that's one hundred percent right. Yes. Yep. Yep. They they are they're they're the principalities that are in rebellion to him, you know. Exactly. And, yep. They're they're that's that they're Deuteronomy 32. They're the sons of God, all of that. You know, the interesting thing is I'm actually gonna be talking about Tartarus here in the next uh, couple of weeks. Awesome. Um, yeah, Peter actually talks about that's where the angels from Genesis chapter six are kept in gloomy chains until the day of darkness. Yes. And it's interesting because in Greek in Greek myth, who is it that's kept in, in Tartarus? It's the Titans. Right. So yes. Huge, <laughs> huge overlap here between <laughs> yeah. worldviews. Yeah. I probably lost about, you know, 500 listeners just now. I probably <laughs> went too far for them, but you went know, too far. It's okay. okay. It's yeah. all right. They can tune in next week. There we go. Uh, well, Josh, uh, I know it's a little late, so if you would like to just tell everybody where they can find your podcast, because I love it. I want everybody to hear it. Uh, all your social medias. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find us uh, on any major podcasting platform. Uh, our podcast is called The Sword and Staff. And like I said, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. All of that. Um, we're also on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, both of the, our handles on those are at sword and staff order. So you can find us there. We're also on Twitter. Um, I actually don't handle any of our Twitter stuff. Richie handles all that. He likes Twitter, but it's sword and staff WV there. Um, so you can find us there on Twitter as well. Um, we also have a blog. You can just type in, uh, it's a medium.com backslash sword and staff order. If I'm not mistaken, it's been a while since I wrote, we've wrote any blogs, but we like to write on occasion. Um, now for dark holler stuff, 
you can find uh, Dark Holler all over the place. It's on Instagram at Dark Holler or Dark Holler Film. Uh, I have to check on that. Let me let me see. If I'm wrong. Let me uh, double check. Okay. Too much stuff to keep up with these days. It's all right, man. I think it is Dark Holler Film. I think it is Dark Holler Film. Yep, it's Dark Holler Film. Okay. Yep. So you can uh, follow the work of Dark Holler. It's at, at Dark Holler Film on Instagram. Uh, it's Dark Holler on Facebook. I think that if you, uh, he, there's also a website too um, for Dark Holler. Um, let me find it real quick. Yeah, darkhollerfilm.com. So there's a website and there's some information that's posted there about the film and you know, that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, also, if you're interested in our church work, you can find us at newhavenwv.com. We're New Haven Church um, on all our social media platforms. So awesome. you can find find my work at all of those places. <laughs> you're, you're not hard to find, is that what yeah. you're saying? No, not at all. Not at all. Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, I just want to ask, is there anything else, any other How Strange and Stories that you want to throw out there that that we didn't cover that we might want to cover or you want to uh, later or... <laughs> well uh i'll say this we're we're digging into a lot of high strangeness cases and exploring them and investigating them uh some local uh we're fixing to actually head to point pleasant here uh not too long from now and i think that ward's actually going to help with us uh help out on that trip and we're actually going to be recording some content from out there uh, hopefully we can find some interesting things still yet going on in point pleasant and yes. and connect it to some of the stuff that we've been talking about here today um so we've got that going on uh not happened yet but you know whenever we get something going with that you know maybe we can tell that story at some point so sweet sweet and i know ward's going to go hang out with tony here in a couple of weeks right yes that's correct yeah. he's already dropped that that nugget on us so i, I can mm -hmm. go ahead and share it so yeah yeah, he was excited about that. He had told me about it. Good deal, man. Well, Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, yeah, it means a lot to me. I can't wait to put it out here. It'll be out you know, shortly. Um, if there's anything I can do for you, if you want to just meet up, have a cup of coffee somewhere, just let me know, man. Holler at me. Yeah, absolutely, man. My pleasure. And, and thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you, brother. Yeah, no problem. All right. Later. Later. that's it for this week guys thanks for listening if you want more content if you want to submit your own story to be on the show if you want to listen to past episodes or if you want to donate to the show you can do all of that through the bumppodcast.com so just go there uh, explore the website check it all out if you want to sign up to be a member it's super cheap it's just a dollar 75 a week you can cancel at any time get in on uh all the, the new, latest, and greatest stuff we have going on. All right, so again, thanks for listening. I love you. God bless.
bless you, Daniel. Steady high upon his throne. Has ten thousands times ten thousand. in your life that you're you're ready to give your heart over to the Lord then I have a little a little message that I found that if you repeat it and you believe it in your heart this could help lead you closer to God to, to let Jesus Christ save you and it goes like this 
Heavenly Father, I come to you from the depths of my heart, realizing that I have sinned. I repent of my sins and confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and died on the cross for me and my sins. I believe that you raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and live in me now. I receive by faith you as my personal Lord and Savior. I receive your Holy Spirit as my comforter to help me obey you and do your will. It is in Jesus' name that I believe and receive the things prayed this day. Amen.